holding you back and, and what physically was it? And, and, and metaphorically. They were and, holding me back and front. And, and, what, <laughs> and, and, and remind me, what was his name? <laughs> Kevin Spacey? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Professor Spacey. Uh, Professor Spacey. Oh, prof Professor Spacey, I just really want to make sure I, pa I pass this, this semester. <laughs> so that's as good a note as I need to start on. No okay. way, that's not, that's not the best note. <laughs> Yeah, I wanted this to be a serious interview, but I'm... Well, let's start over. Clap. I think we can use all that, but I'll clap for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the Mink and the Monk. I'm your host, Matthew Fink. I'm Brad Monko. Your other host, and we are very happy and honored to have a very special guest waiting outside in the car, so instead we have Scott Petito here. No, we are very honored to have Scott Petito. I, I drove him here, the guest. <laughs> and I'm trying to adjust this the whole time. And I told you not to play with your equipment. Yes. So professional. So professional. So let's get into it. How are you, Scott Petito? Um, I'm just terrible. No, no. I, actually, I'm good. You're I'm good. good. I'm saying that... Um, because I know that's what people really want to hear, but um, but I have to say that it's also true. You're good. I'm good. You're I'm, good. I'm I'm busy. I'm uh, I'm still doing what I do. Um, what I, do you I, do? I'm Let's in a, talk about I, once again. I'm do. in a basement, which is where I usually belong, and yeah. this is good. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah. What is it I do? Yeah. Let's talk about some of the things you do. So I know you as uh, a fantastic bassist. An incredible arranger, a um, uh, a profound uh, engineer, profound, profound, um, and uh, you drive a Tesla. I do. That's my that's my biggest. That's that's pretty biggest awesome. claim. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, what else? What am I leaving out? Uh, you are you are a producer. I do produce records. You also produce concert series. And concerts, too. That's true. Yeah. See, you know more about me than I do. Yeah. I would even think of you as a curator. Uh, I would like to think that that is a compliment. No. No, it is. I, I, do producer, feel, I do feel that way, particularly because, and we can talk about this, because we've been involved in some of the bands where we've been covering other people's music. But yeah, I kind of think about it in a little different way, like I'm... I want to present the music with a little different approach um, than maybe like a traditional tribute band, you know, like maybe yeah. give, give some history, add some stuff. Yeah. You know, yeah. So. I do too, actually. Yeah. The, the idea of being in, uh, in a tribute band doesn't, I, I, when I think of tribute bands, I don't think of no. any of the projects that you've done. No, I try not to. And, 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 and um, I have to let the musicians be who they are. You know, we're not going to dress up in little funny suits or anything like that well actually <laughs> what am i saying we can't we can't talk about some of those some projects. of those yes yeah. <laughs> so those projects are different uh, but well um, so are yes. are you like still feeling the effects of the pandemic on the stuff that you're keeping up with right now and are you do you feel like you're being pulled a particular way like are you really heavy into the organizing live shows or recording artists right now is, is one thing in particular right. or are you still being pulled like every which way well i was lucky at the beginning of the pandemic just just a little history of that at the beginning of the pandemic i was in the process of mixing i think four albums one of which was uh dave brubeck's um Time Out album the outtakes versions which um basically we got access to the sony archives went in um got the tapes 
spent literally months really sorting through what was there, and we put together an alternate version of this classic record. Like Is that first, out now? Yeah, it's been out for actually almost a year, believe wow. it or not, because it came out at the very end of last year. Um, I think it might be, well, it's, it was nominated for Grammy first round. I think we'll probably get in. We'll see. Um, but anyway, so that took a good chunk of my early part of the pandemic. And I was like, oh, great, because I did it all long distance. Um, two of the Brubeck brothers actually uh, contracted COVID early. Oh. Uh, Danny got a very bad case when in Europe playing at Ronnie Scott's. Nobody knew what it was really at the time. Wow. So, so yeah, we were all by on our own. So, and then as, as the pandemic progressed, I, I, I had plenty to mix, but then I did start doing some, some smaller sessions. I think one of the first ones was a fairly close neighbor of yours was Craig Santiago and, and Leo Genovese and I played a did, made a record, a nice record actually. Wow. A trio record of, of all his stuff. Wow. And I think he's down here in Kerhonkson, right? Somewhere. And well, you're not really Kerhonkson. You're kind of. You know. I don't like the, the fans to know exactly where or else I just. Uh, I have Kerhonkson, New Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> had some stalking issues. Yeah. <laughs> this guy right here, that's why we're doing the podcast together. I found him outside my window. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I always say invite them in when they give you problems. Yeah. But um, yeah, so so I was lucky. I, I And then we progressed more and more, you know, wearing masks and playing in the studio, as, as you guys have probably done as well. It's, you know, it stifles a little bit of your your creativity. Not to mention your breathing. Yeah, I was gonna uh, say, yeah, your airstream. Yeah. <laughs> but but so so yeah, until until basically um we started getting vaccines at the end of the year and into the early this year, now now sessions have picked up a lot. You know, live sessions. I've done been doing a lot of streaming recently. Um it's 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 a you know mixed bag and this year of course it takes a pandemic for me to go out. I actually have been going out and playing a lot more shows. I just got off a blues project tour. The show we did last night with Belado, the Uruguayan um, guitarist. So we'll, I'm going to continue that through the rest of the year and into next year. But yeah, so it's, you're also doing the Beatles one. Are you still doing? Yeah, it? we did. We did a Let It Be, and we actually, um, which is the third big one in our series. Um, we've done the White Album, which was a bear. Um, Abbey Road, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. and 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 a few other places as well. Usually with those those kinds of tributes, I like to to go. Okay, let's do like four shows. I'll find four nice spots to play. Yeah, so we all make a little money. It's worth the time and effort because it's a, as you know a lot of time and effort to put these together. But not then not beat a dead horse. We could always bring it back in a couple of years or a year or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was, that was this year's ver uh, we did the Ab Abbey Road as well, but this year was Let It Be and the Get Back Sessions, which is kind of appropriate in light of, you know, the Beatles coming out soon with the rehashed, uh, Let It Be material. And, and that one, I was really a curator. I, I, um, I literally discussed like, okay, you know, like they were working on this music and a lot of it was songs from old, uh, All Things Must Pass, for instance. Right. So, and there's Beatle versions there that exist of them playing a lot of the songs that wound up on George's solo record. He, they didn't dig it as much, so they, they dropped them eventually. But um, it's interesting listening to it. Or Lennon writes a song, Mother Nature, I mean, um, was it... Uh, uh, anyway, uh, Child of Nature, that's it. And um, all of a sudden you realize, oh, that's the same melody as Jealous Guy, which appeared you know, on his solo record yeah, yeah. a few years later. Yeah. So I, I kind of pinned all these together, made it a little more of a, um, 
a historic talk. It was like almost a mini TED talk, and we played music. Yeah. yeah so yeah. that was the first time I've done that, and that was, that was fun. Yeah, I bet um, it was great. Yeah, and and so we'll do some more. There's a couple of arts council shows. I also we'll saw do. your your dig a pony. Uh, yeah, the video. Yeah, <laughs> that was fun. Outside yeah. in the snow. That was that was a <laughs> pandemic video. Yeah, I like that. I was outside in the snow, but we. Did it over such a long period of time that Adam's sitting on a park bench right. in the sunshine and literally, it was just because everybody kept forgetting to send in the video and like, oh, guess what? He, six months went by. Yeah, I've done a couple of those and I forgot we even did that. It was like so much time. Everybody just right. started getting busy. That's the other thing. It's just the displacement. I think of anything, the displacement of time that I think we all have felt like, was that yesterday or was yeah. that three years ago? You know, so yeah. it, The last two years have definitely uh, made it. A, a time suck i have yeah i can't figure out what's uh, what time mm -hmm. has passed sometimes yep yeah exactly yeah. exactly i mean i'm sure it's even harder just based on how much you do like i mean it's it's crazy to think like how many well, different things you bite <clears throat> off is that like how you've always approached work and is that like does that just feel natural for you or do you have to push yourself to to take on so much um i've been pushing a little more i think in recent years i liked the pace of the pandemic because it was like project 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 rather than project 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 you know yeah, all on top yeah. of each other yeah. um and that's taken me a bit more uh, time to get used to this idea that oh okay i'm going to run from this to this to this and oh and i got two records i've got a mix and so you know i i like the pace of the pandemic if if there was any good thing that came out of it um and it gave me time to work on my, another record of my own it gave me time to to walk my dog, you know, um, just things that I was trying to take things one thing at a time. And in a weird way, it was actually productive as a result because I had less distraction. So yeah. when I was working on something, you know, that thing when you practice, you yeah. <laughs> 20 good minutes of practice is worth way more than like screwing around for yeah. an hour and a half or something, you know? Yeah. And it was sort of like, I, I felt like that. I felt focused during that period. It was nice so, to not feel like being in the rat race. Yeah. Yeah, uh, as long as whoever you were living with, right, 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 exactly, somebody that you enjoyed living with. Yeah, unfortunately, we basically have two buildings, so I I was relegated to one for eleven right. eleven hence, months. Hence a year. this room. Yeah, this is the room. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we all have. Yeah. I got a building. someday you can get. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have the whole. You I, do. I you do have the whole thing. Building. Yeah, but no, yeah, this, this is just beautiful here. Oh. Thank you. It's very peaceful outside and quiet. Oh, it's incredible. Unless yes. people show up 30 minutes early. For, yeah, I know. I was out their... there barking, actually. <laughs> I thought that might get your attention. Yeah, I didn't realize you. Were, yeah, sorry about that. I was like, wait, did I give them the wrong time? No, I, no, no. I was, I was, I didn't realize I would get here so fast. It, you, well, you, you have a Tesla. Yeah, six, zero to 16, three, three, mine's three seconds, but. Ah, yeah, I think the, the new ones are 2.6. Uh, I think 2. actually if you get the S with the plaid, it's 1.9. So, yeah. <laughs> is you it really? Have, yeah, it's something ridiculous. That is such an amazing feeling. Yeah, I, I, yeah. It's, you're, you can really feel like you're plastered to the back of the seat. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. funny. In fact, you can get plastered and let and, the car drive and you I, home. Exactly. <laughs> Trust me. Yeah, yeah. I we'll do get that. to that in the second half yeah. of this. <laughs> <laughs> Tesla, sponsor us. <laughs> yes. uh, no, mom's that, against drunk driving. Yeah. Sponsor us. <laughs> well, it's interesting you say that because... Uh, you know, uh, my, my good friend, Rachel Z, she's really on this idea of getting getting Elon Musk to take one of the, the Tesla trucks and create a concert stage to bring concerts all over the country. She's, oh, I'm literally <laughs> trying smart. to contact him every Smart day idea. and send out fleets of these. So it's sort of this, because 
they, they both, her and her husband Omar Hakim, both have Teslas, which of course. To be in that club, you have to buy one, so that's why I had to get one. So you can't talk to them if you don't so have one. So that your crib look really nice. Oh, it's you, insane! Yeah, and then, fleet. of course, we have two other friends who have them, so it looks like a Tesla showroom. But, Very nice. But but no, it was like five, a ten minute ride with Omar uh, in his uh, Tesla. I was like, oh man, <laughs> I gotta have one of these. I I needed a new. I, my lease was coming off of a car, and I thought oh, I gotta get a car anyway. Why not this one? You know. So yeah, forget what you were driving. I mean, I know you have um, your seasonal Porsche, a, that- a mini. A mini, oh, the um, mini. A, right, my, right. I loved my mini. I still do. I think they're they're great. Yeah, but um, but it was interesting, you know, to get off on the Tesla tangent. But as a traveling player and musician, uh, I logged about fourteen hundred miles in the last two weeks, or yep. going around, and and I've had to. It, it, it's it's great, but I have to also factor in some time to charge and yeah, superchargers, sure. which is not like just pulling up and getting gas in five minutes, you, right? Depending on how busy they are, you're, you're you're taking a half hour break or so. Yeah, yeah. So you know, sometimes a four hour trip is now a five hour trip. That's but not horrible though. No, it's not because most of the give time, you a break you know, in between. By the time I pee and have coffee, coffee and, and then pee, pee again. Pee <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You get you know how it is. Yeah, that I. Yes. But it was it was interesting because that's the first time. Actually, it was weird. There's another pandemic thing of, and I don't know if you guys have felt it because. You guys were still out in the world a bit, but I was really kind of in the studio doing most of my stuff. But going on a, a, a drive that was more than like 50 miles, it was like, wow, what's this about? You know, yeah, yeah. I'm not there yet. I mean, like I go to my coffee shop, it's 15 minutes. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was, got, it was kind of like a little bit of shock going, oh, wow. Yeah, it takes hours to get over there. <laughs> I've been in person teaching this whole time. Yeah, so, so like, you're, 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 you're traveling. Now. I'm traveling. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, you know, it's interesting because uh, uh, I'm just, you had to do it in order to survive. Mm-hmm. Like nobody wants to, I don't want to teach online. And students don't want to. Be, maybe some do, but yeah. it's not the same. It's yeah. it's so like that would be one of the downsides of, like music online to make videos like this, like your uh, dig a pony and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's still not the same as being in a room. No, but it was fun to it do. Was and fun. It was like, yeah. hey, you want to get? Do you want to do this because we can? Yeah. You know? Right. Right. But that feeling of hanging. Yeah. This. Yeah. With the exception yeah. of. Now, come on now. Hey man. He's, hey. He's no chopped liver. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll go bass players unite on you yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly true. it's true you're only a lowly guitarist that's true yeah. and which 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 man who can't can't deal with thicker strings <laughs> <laughs> i like thicker strings um i like it thick i like them thick you know it's uh it's it's just I open, a, it's, I open the it's a tone thing um yeah but speaking of mm-hmm. multi-instrumentalists so mm-hmm. let's that, that's a perfect segue into rainbow gravity okay um and also, the records with Leslie All right, that you sure. made. Um, so I always find myself, we could start with this. I get annoyed when I hear somebody who doesn't get recognized as a guitar player play really great guitar. That's annoying to me that you can actually. <laughs> and it's the same thing with Jennifer does, too. It's yeah, like she ridiculous. Yeah, and then, yeah. you know, Jerry, too, when he holds yeah. a guitar, he, he sounds beautiful. So yeah. it, it annoys the piss out of me because I really only can barely play the guitar and if we talk about some descriptions of me by other musicians we mentioned early i earlier i can't play guitar at all yeah well that's that's not true you're a wonderful guitar player i'm not saying that just so i can get back on the show but (laughs) 
if that helps. <laughs> I appreciate. Yeah, you should hear him on the bagpipes. No, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, you're you got you guys are both incredibly skilled musicians, and you, you know we just do, this is something you do. You got to do for your whole life. That's the way it is. You know? Yeah, it's, yeah. You get better. So we we you think you, you think you got it figured out, and next day you get up and go out. Got got some more shit. I got to work on. Yeah, shit. Okay. <laughs> so. yeah. I don't know if we could check the box for kids now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, don't we no, we went over this, Matt. We, over we, this, we yeah. don't check the box. We it's don't not check. For oh, kids. Okay. okay, not for it's kids. Not for kids. All right. Okay. Yeah. I think you. Uh, uh, so Rainbow Gravity. Mm -hmm. right. uh, you gave me a copy of that. That's I, that might. I can't remember the last time I saw you. Probably the last time you saw me. Yeah. So it's well, been a couple of years. Did that come out? Is it seventeen or eighteen? Uh, we actually came out in eighteen. Um, so yeah, probably that's about the last time we uh, saw each other. I don't remember where. I don't, probably uh, at your house. Yeah, I think so. I think me and yeah. I think I was recording there. Or oh yeah, yeah, that could have been was with, John, with John? When John was there. Yeah. It might have been just the, towards the end of this last session. John so. Ball, yeah, Matthew Fink, Jonathan Ball project. Yeah, beautiful. Shout out, beautiful music. Little Randy Brecker. Yeah, mm -hmm. I got Randy on my new one too. So I know. Yeah. I saw so, that. I saw that. Did you get his number from me? <laughs> 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 No, no. I, got from, I got it from Chris Pace. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. Chris has it. I'm yeah. sure he does. No, he does. He does. Yeah. He's very graciously gave it to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so I, I went. Strike. <laughs> I, uh, I I listened to it in the car when you gave it to me on the way home, and I Did remember. Did you have anything to play it on, or just? I have a CD player in my oh, 07. Wow, place. that's amazing because they're disappearing. They're disappearing. Yeah. yeah, I know that you have in the Tesla a full size ipad 12.9 as a dashboard yeah but nothing else <laughs> nothing else there's nothing else <laughs> no it's it's really it's it's kind of you know i really got feel sort of ripped off at times you know because you don't have a cd player because i don't have any knobs or anything i mean it's just like couldn't they put give me a couple of knobs for that much money you know well, they probably Buttons, heard the rumors about switches, you and your knobs and switch here and there. Yeah, I know it's amazing. Yeah, I, it, I, my wife's uncle recently got one and yeah. let me. Uh, probably not in his own best interest, but let me drive it, and it was absolutely. I couldn't. Believe, it's a feat of engineering. It's it, just, it really is. Yeah, it really is. Uh, in a lot of and, ways, um, I didn't know this was going to be a Tesla infomercial. But I don't mind because we can help we're sales. gonna we're going to. Uh, well, I have some stock, so I'll be happy yeah. to keep okay. boosting it. Yeah, Elon yeah. will appreciate it. He's listening, yeah. right? Yeah. I'm sure Elon. Yes, and if you're a musician out there, invest into something somewhere. Not CDs. Know? Yeah, don't no, make those that. anymore. Right? No, uh, you know, but it's true. But, you know, I, again, I don't want to take us off on a tangent, but I—that's another thing about being helpfully being successful as a musician. It's not just about you learn your craft and then hope the world's going to discover you. You need to, you need to build into it, and then when you, if you have some success, save some money. Invest in things, buy a house, build a house, and you'll be a happier person. You'll have a life, basically. Yeah, if you have a good, and, if you uh, have some place you can spend your time enjoying the fruits of your. Yeah, labor. I mean, yeah. it really it makes a difference because we we almost think we're we're supposed to be martyrs somehow, and and in effect, by putting that weight on yourself, many people wind up being kind of music martyrs. Yeah, and it's I that always makes me very sad. Yeah, and it do, I don't know anybody who's... Uh, I've thought about this. I don't know any of those martyrs who are very happy. That's exactly yeah, what it is. It, yeah. it, it, yeah. It, and it is it, it, it is interesting, though, because yeah. it's, it, it depends on... You never know what uh, uh, people are going to be interested in, what you're putting out. So the best right. you can do is keep putting out stuff, content, exactly. whether yeah. it's uh, curating concerts and, and, and playing uh, for audiences that want to hear something mm -hmm. they already know or putting new music out there. But 
it is uh, you can't blame them for not liking something you just have to put it out keep putting it out and see no what and, and hopefully you you know you uh identify that it's not about selling out or anything else but you got to kind of meet the audience somewhere you do um yeah. because if you're just i mean I, I there are examples of successful people who have always just done what they did and they just kind of plowed through and they kind of made the audience accept what what it is they do but i don't think most of us have that uh, ability, and we need to we need to listen. You know, we need to listen to them, and 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 I think in the end, that makes us better, and also that allows us more space to go in more directions. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, you know, yeah, but I don't know. We'll see. You don't know? I don't. I don't know. I just make this stuff up for for podcasts. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, I heard that's what you're supposed to do. I heard you just now. Make let's up facts. now let's talk about me again. Now, and what were we talking about? My wonderful guitar playing. Yes, yeah, <laughs> so what were we talking about? Uh, I I, uh, I mean yes. I, 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 I've I don't think I've talked to you since I had that copy of that. But I went this week and listened to three, four albums that you had something to do with. Uh -oh. So we could start with that. Well, I know you have, there has to be hundreds on there by now, right? Hundreds that, of albums? That, that you've it's, worked on as an engineer, as a producer, yeah. as... it's Yeah, it's really into the, into the low thousand plus. It's like 1,500 legitimate records that I'm actually contributing a, a reasonable amount to, and then that doesn't count having mastered, mixed, or whatever, so many more, so... yeah. So on Rainbow Gravity, I know you have some questions. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I love Rainbow Gravity. Oh, not, not a question. I, oh. You want to start again? Brad, I know you have some questions. I, I love Rainbow Gravity. I went through it, though. Uh, uh, it's a really marvelous display of, of uh, compositions that you have. Um, and okay. also just it's nice to hear the bass properly in the mix. Oh, thank you. You might be biased on that. I, I, yeah, know. I guess I am. I mean, I uh, I think when I write, if I'm going to write something for for myself at least, and um, I try to leave space in there, and, and you know, of course, the musicians on that particular project are are very aware of um, production aspects of creating music. And I don't mean that in a you know like a Hey, let's make it snazzy. It's just that, you know, arranging really yeah. is what it comes down to. They're self-arranging as well as whatever I give them. Yeah. And they always, you know, normally most people make really great choices. So it's, or on this record, I was lucky, you know. Well, yeah. you're lucky what? That you play with those people and you were able to get them and they love what you're doing. So I well, mean. It, I don't know if I ever told you this, but um, I had no intentions of doing the sort of superstar record with the guy that nobody knows, but um they're all people, yes, all people I've worked with in one capacity or another. Most everyone I've at least played some music with before, definitely made records with before. Um, it was Jack DeJanet, actually, who kind of said, after we did, um, after I did my, my solo bass record, he thought, man, you ought to, we ought to do something together. It was Jack. He actually offered and said, we ought to do something together because he was really wow. loved that ambient thing. Yeah, so yeah. that's where Dark Pools came from, that particular song. And cymbal bells as well. I just wanted to have us play kind of free, but I had an idea like, okay, you know, this is sort of what I wanted with this rolling cascading. I always call it Jack playing the washing machines. Like you could, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so that was really, that was the arrangement. It was like, Jack, play, be, be the washing machine. And I'm going to just kind of, you know, swirl around you. And the other one I, I said, you let's, be the let's, wool light. 
Exactly. I'm the wool light in your life. Yeah, yeah. And the other ver- uh, song, well, we did a couple of songs, but the one that's not really a song song, um, Symbol Bells, is is was really an attempt to ex- exploit uh, bass harmonics with these particular bells, the tune bells that he was using. Yeah. So there was intention in the composition, but there was also freedom to just say it's more of a concept. Yeah. You know, I, I love playing free, but I also just love having some instruction. Yeah. So those pieces kind of fell into that. And then there's obviously the really through composed stuff, you mm-hmm. know? So, yeah. Um, which, yeah, I, I think I, I still do best at that. I always feel personally that I, I, I start to second guess my free playing um, and that's when you know you're in trouble in a sense in that world. You just sort of yeah, have conscious to, thoughts coming into just, it. Yeah. It's, you know, I don't think I, I've thought, I've thought about this a lot. Like where can you stop thinking, but still have awareness? And what is that line between I'm thinking about something I'm going, I'm thinking about a where, place to go as opposed to an awareness of what my options are. Yeah. 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 Some of it bubbles up subconsciously. Yeah. Know? So yeah. it's, um, it's, yeah. What an amazing place to explore with Jack DeJeanette. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really lucky to do that. So that was great. And then, uh, yeah, just the number. And then uh, that one's rich. And so is my, I have a new one that I just about done with. Um, Another full length. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, that's the one Randy's on, um, who else is on Bob Minzer? He's been an old friend of mine, so he's on both records. And Bob was on, yeah, I was going to yeah, say, he's was, on both I records. forget he was, I, I'm forgetting that. <clears throat> The track that he was was it the first track oh, he's on sly fi he's yeah. on um, sly fi right 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 yeah sequence of events you probably know better than me i can yeah. <laughs> well i see i i never look at the the feature part because it's usually yeah. like cut cut off my phone yeah so i more so know the track names than who, exactly yeah, who's, who's on, on what yeah um i mean my like my favorite track we talked about this uh last time i interviewed you was uh a balsamic reduction. Yeah. I love that tune. So I really much. love that song too. I rarely play that one out live because I find it's an interesting one. Um, be, I, I think it's, you know, some of those, those songs that you go, well, it's not hard, but it makes, it has so much subtlety mm-hmm. that to pull it off live, you go, mm, it's not quite there yet. Now maybe you, you work on it for a few weeks or you get to tour with a band, mm-hmm. you'll, you'll have it totally down. But I always put, I always think of that one whenever I do a show and I go, yeah, I'd like to, feed that into the mix but um and i will i will i definitely will because there's something about that too that was one of those ones that's you know you know this feeling as as a writer um sometimes songs you you have to really work at and other ones they just kind of come to you like the whole whole shape of it and you don't get written into a corner yeah um yeah and that's a that's to me is like wow that's great because i was a comp major at berkeley you know I, i played bass obviously but um, I don't know if I really learned anything there. Were you uh, arranging there as well? Yeah, yeah, I was arranging in composition. So that's always been critical. And if anything, that has played into my my uh, production career because I just think of production as sort of a another word for arrangement, you know, mm-hmm. and leaving spaces and and understanding. Um, the overtone series really comes down to that in a sense, you know, yeah. everything kind of comes down to, you know, what's happening at the top as opposed to the bottom. Yeah. 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 You know, and, and it's amazing. You can make a very big sounding record that doesn't have 5,000 parts. If you arrange those voices and, yeah. and sounds correctly. You know? that, that makes sense. And that, and that's a pretty good description of, of that record. Oh, I would well, say, yeah. You. Cause thank it's uh, I was listening to it and it's like, everything seems to find 
to be exactly where it should be to support the musical right. idea that you have in mind. I, I, I appreciate that. And, and I, that's definitely was the goal. Yeah. Um, also, you used, it's not like, I, I meant to ask you this because there's one, there's a couple where you're playing the bass, where you're playing the melody, but it sounds like it's not actually a, uh, is it either a multi, like a six string bass or do you have some kind of piccolo? It's a, it's or a piccolo and soprano oh, bass. That's, yeah. And solos I'm playing. I mean, some people say, oh, this, who's playing guitar on the record? But there are right. actually, other than David Spinoza playing on Balsamic Reduction yep, yep. and a tiny bit on Sly Fi, there's no guitar. So, Oh, they, yeah. there, there was... Yeah, I, yeah. Okay. Then, then that's all piccolo. piccolo. <laughs> there was somewhere I, I I knew it was guitar on yeah. Balsamic Reduction, and I yeah. thought there was another thing. But, but I I do play piccolo bass. I play, okay. all um, strangely enough for whatever reason on that record, and I think it's because of uh, the way I was writing it. I and I also had just acquired the soprano bass that I got really into. Soprano and piccolo are basically the same. It's just the, this one also happens to be smaller, so he calls it that. Um, okay. But it's a just a, it's, a, it's an in a lock, it's an octave up, and oh, it yeah. really worked out really well. And in the arrangement, and it was like, well, I don't want everybody to pair back. I like the fact that they're all, you know, creating this nice wash. And then the guitar, the guitar could have done it, and I could have even played guitar solos. And I thought, ah, you know, maybe, maybe. But I would play the piccolo bass, and it was just right. And a lot of those solos were just like first and second takes because. It just felt like the right instrument. You yeah. know? Whereas I played regular bass, and I felt like, ah, I'm murking things up. It just doesn't feel right. It was interesting to hear your touch on those. Like, oh, you can you. really hear this beautiful... I mean, I'm assuming that was all plucked on the... Yeah, on the, I, oh, I'm pretty much all fingers. Yeah. I, I, I use a pick once in a while, but not not rarely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rarely. I did. It, it sounds like flesh. Oh, nice. But, but I, I was like... I was. That's where I really... Because I'm not used to... I'm Normally, when I'm playing with you, you mm -hmm. have a regular... Yeah, regular bass. Yeah. Bass. Yep. Yeah. Or the first time I played with you, uh, when we did that benefit, and you were playing... It looks like a bass, but it's thin, but it's got a beautiful wood veneer. Oh, what was I playing? Was that the... Uh, one of the, remember, N, the I, I, NS basses or something? The, like the upright? Up? It's an upright, but it's, but it's very, th very thin. thin. Yeah. And it's sitting in your studio, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Or my, behind the B3? Or, or? Yeah, that's my NS basses. Okay. Yeah. That, well, that was the first time I met you. We did a benefit. Oh, that's right. Wow. And I thought of... And her name Forgot came to me this that. morning. Jenny Litt. That's it. That's the first yeah. time that I'm... And I can't right. remember the year. I can't uh, remember when that was. I've forgotten everything about that. <laughs> <laughs> Next cut. <laughs> no, but I, re I, no. I remember that's where I met you on, and I remember looking at that instrument, yeah. and then you yeah. and I'm like, I, I don't know who this is. Like, I didn't yeah. know who. Like, I don't know how long I was back. I had no idea who you were. You were just <laughs> yeah, some, yeah. I said, Who's the dude playing with the guitar? Yeah. Is that a guitar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah, uh, but uh, no, it, no. I, I, yeah, but you, you have a lot of basses. In your, I do have in a lot home. of basses. In your and studio. I tell people this all the time. L believe me, I for the first 25 years I played bass, I, I only really used the, my Steinbergers. I had two. Which you were kind enough to lend me uh, I did, about right. four years that's ago right. to do, or five years ago. Wow, I forgot about that. Yep, both Jeez, the guitars. you know a lot about me. Yeah, wow. And, but those basses, I, I gravitated toward them. One, I was traveling. I was with the Fugs and a couple other bands. And going on an airplane, hey, that bass fits right under my arm. And, and this was a hard time. This was before they really gave you yeah, a hard yeah. time. Now yeah. it's really hard. But back then it was like, oh, this is really easy. I've got it right here. So I started that way. But then I just, you know, gravitated and loved them. And then I wound up doing a Rory Block tour and Mark Egan, I think, had played on some of the songs on, on the record we did. So I didn't have a fretless Steinberger. So I literally oh. picked up a fretless one on my way to the airport from Ned in when, when they were in Newburgh. Yeah. Really? 
Yeah, and it was still it still smelled of like hot uh, graphite and plastic. It was like I was like sniffing the base on the way to the. It, it was good. It was kind of a very toxic smell. <laughs> chill you out on the plane. Like, yeah, you a it was bit. great. But then that base really for a long time because I was in the singer songwriter world, which is stuff I did with Leslie, and I was working with. Uh, Livingston Taylor and James Taylor and everything else. And at the time, Michael Manring was doing his thing. So a lot a lot more fretless. And I kind of stayed away from the fretless because of the Jocko thing since Jocko, because I was a clone for sure. And then I just one day went, eh, I'm not going to play that for a while. You just walked so it was and maybe, stepped away from it. Yeah, so it was like maybe you know, 10, 15 years almost before I went back into that pool. Gotcha. And, um, and those bases were great, but I, this is a long-winded story, but basically two of them the the tuners started to fall apart and i couldn't get repair parts because ned had sold uh seinberger to gibson but gibson wasn't manufacturing any parts so then i said well i guess i gotta go out and start looking for a new base uh. and 45 bases later <laughs> or whatever it is i don't yeah, even know you, i honestly you don't have know. a lot of bases yeah you I have do. a lot of guitars yeah, i do have quite a few guitars yeah. and yeah. a swordfish yeah, maybe two. Who knows? Are there two in there? No, I got a moose. Since moose, I've seen you? Or? The moose is out front. I just redid my moose. Really? Yeah, I needed a new moose. Moose rotted. <laughs> it's a, is it a wood moose? Is, it's a moose. It's, okay. <laughs> it's, a, it's straight I, moose. It's straight up moose. Straight up moose. Straight up moose. Straight up moose. Okay. <laughs> I think we found the title for your new it's album. Straight up moose. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, well, yeah, I think uh, you're playing on fretless. I, uh, you know, to go back to uh, a balsamic reduction again. Yeah. I, like my favorite part of the track is you're playing locked in with the drums. Is that Simon yes. Phillips? Yeah, that song is Simon. Yeah, and I, I mean, I will. I mean, I think my two favorite parts of the song are that little break you do in the head, and then where you, you know, right, slide up the note on the yeah. on the fretless, yeah. and then when when Simon kicks into the groove for the I first know. solo, it's so great! Isn't I it? I love that yeah. groove in that, um, but. I kind of wanted to hear your thoughts on like what with the the amazing cast of drummers you got to have on mm -hmm. that album like mm -hmm. as a bassist yeah what do you get out of each of those drummers like how do how do they make you feel yep. playing with them and and less like the sense of rhythm they give to right. you well simon and i had been working on two records right before we started tracking that and we start we were playing quite a bit because one of them was a, a singer songwriter record and another was a I guess it was sort of a fusion-y album with a few people from L.A. So we were starting to to get a rapport. We played a few gigs. Actually, Uncle Pete was on a couple of those mm. gigs. Um, or, um, um, but, but anyway, uh, the, uh, um, the, the, the feeling with Simon in particular is I really feel that it's funny because he, he drives Formula One cars as a hobby. You feel like you're in the drag stream of a Formula One. He is the most one of the most supportive drummers I've ever encountered. Who also has techno technique beyond most. I don't know if you've ever seen him playing with Hiromi, uh, with yeah, the yeah, trio yeah. with Hiromi. That some of that with Anthony Jackson is arguably some of the most complex, insane music on some levels. You know, at least in that in that idiom. Um, and, and precision, wonderful precision, almost like classical musicians, which Hiromi is, of course. Um, so you just feel like, whew, I'm being, I'm just being summoned and, and everywhere. Time is perfect. You're just like, wow, you don't have to worry, ever worry about where the time sits. Yeah. And, you know, as a bass player, I like to try to think that 
well, I'm not going to just rely on the drummer for time, but it just confirms that you're really in that place. Yeah, yeah. And that's true of all of these drummers. Um, but but Simon sort of, and I think it's partly because he also, you know, he 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 was the the drummer after Keith Moon and The Who. He was the drummer after Jeff Beccaro and Toto. So he's been around pop music and click tracks and playing in that in that way for a long time. Plus, he just is a very precise human being. So it's he's it's a pleasure to to feel his time, and he never leaves you hanging out to dry. He will play the most crazy fill, and you go, yeah, one there it is. <laughs> you know, no guesswork, no guesswork. Yeah. We're right back where we should be. That's nice. Uh, so that's great, uh, Omar. Uh, uh, you know, I can't say anything. Um, I mean, I almost can't say enough great things about him because he's also really become a really good friend. Uh, we're working on an Atmos studio at his house where we've done uh, several projects together. We've got this, this new band that I hope we'll next year we'll get to do uh, some festivals with. Um, and he has a bit more of, of an organic tone. You know, he has more, things just ring more and they have just more... Um, uh, with some rawness about it, but yet with also incredible precision. So the combination is just really good because that makes me play a little differently. I play a little bit more aggressively in some ways. You know, Simon, I tend to want to be really smooth and just, I have lots of room, but Omar, I really want to dig into the groove. So that's that was really great. And Peter Erskine's been an old friend of mine. Um, he actually dated one of my best friends in high school. So I've known him for years because they made some records together. And then we started doing some things and I knew him from weather report, uh, just being around, uh, at the time. And he's, I think he's just maybe like one of the most perfect drummers in the world. Um, I was listening to him yesterday. I mean, it's yeah. just, you know, it's, you almost can't point at one aspect. He's incredible brushwork, for instance. Still has incredible groove and and control. Um, also has a very classical background, so has precision and really can. And in fact, that's why he gets called, I think, so much for work in L.A. Um, doing everything from the Oscars to the you know stuff like that. Because you know that's that's the type of stuff we are reading. Complex stuff potentially. Um, but comfortable in pretty much any style, has a great backbeat as well as can swing. So it's great. And Jack is Jack. I mean, it's there's almost no other way to describe it. It's just that's the rawest energy. Um, and my favorite way of hearing Jack play is when he's almost reckless abandon and you just, you just, it's like the sign, the, the whole thing is just this bed of. Yeah, beauteous stuff, you know. Yeah. So yeah, that that's and they are very distinct players, no doubt about yeah. it. And you do approach playing with them differently, um, but they all make they all make it easy. And I think that's why I, I think that's why I still feel like if if there was anybody in the band I wanted to call most important, and I don't like to say that, but I think you don't really have a band if you don't have a great drummer. You might have a collection yeah. of really good musicians, but when that drummer's, lead, you know, not even leading, leading is the wrong word. When that drummer's just sitting in the right place, everybody's just, you know. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, mean, I'm biased as a bassist, but I care the most about the drummer on any yeah. gig. I'd if, if I had to have any other one instrument on a gig with me, I always want yeah. a drummer. Yeah, and the bass player is very important. I mean, every, every instrument's important, but if, 
you know, and I'm not going to rank them, but I feel like I don't really have a band as a bass player unless I, if I'm fighting the drummer, then we're we're never going to have a great gig. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, and that's going to affect everybody else, the soloists on top, anybody who's playing part of the rhythm section. It's it's uh, it it uh, puts a lot of pressure in a sense on the drummer, but you know that's why they chose to play that instrument. That's yeah. that's the one thing. I mean, I I I really think that there is an emphasis sometimes on chops to the point that stuff like basic stuff starts to suffer like time. Mm-hmm. Once time suffers, it, you're not just just you're not. It's not not just bad for the drum part. It's bad for the band. So that you know, and I don't want to I don't want to critique it any more than that than to just say play with the best drummers you can find and I'm spoiled. I mean I mean and I say that saying I also know many, many wonderful drummers who aren't necessarily as famous as these guys, you know. But, yeah. but uh but they're all they're all really wonderful. You know? Yeah. Well I, I mean I I, want, I have another question about drummers yeah. that I like to circle back to, but before that I wanna know like in making Rainbow Gravity, um, was it more so that process of like you said like writing the song with jack that kind of just organically came together out of the out of the writing process or did you build the album with a specific idea in mind was it very like a personal sound you had in mind or were you influenced heavily by something in particular because i could and because i was asking people basically one at a time or or they would say what are you up to and i said well i'm trying to make a record and i said i got this tune and i'd play something for somebody and they'd go Oh man, that's great! I, I could do something on that. That happened so many times; it was amazing. Yeah. So I think I only really asked maybe two people on the entire record to actually play on it. They just sort of organically. That's why I can't even. It sort of just morphed together. And 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 my old friend Bashiri Johnson, I knew he. I was going to have him at the at the end, just do his thing over top of the whole record. I was a percussionist, and we we've worked on a million records. Um, and maybe Bob, uh, only because I hadn't seen him in a while, I said, hey, Bob, I got like four songs you, you, you into it, you know, and everybody was very gracious. I, some people, I, I had to like force them to take any money, which was pretty crazy, but, um, and some people I traded things for because I was already working yeah. on something, but so, you know, it was just a, a lucky thing. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I think, I think you were, and you're on it. Was there, was there a, particular influence to the style that you were writing in or was that more just like personally the direction you felt well to go i i felt like i the, you know i've played so much so many different kinds of music and then for so many years i was kind of like a singer songwriter folk acoustic guy and then i was the guy who made all of the 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 uh the, the jazz projects around either as a producer or as a as a um engineer which was great i, lo- I love wearing all those hats They're, it feels good to me uh, in fact, it probably keeps me sane. Uh, but yeah, that I really had the intention of going, I want to honor some of the stuff that was important to me. Chick, um, who I'd got, gotten to work with not long before. In fact, it was something he played and said that kind of inspired me on a number of tunes. So, so, what was a, a sequence of events? There's the cycle of chords in there. Not typical for me because there's actually a couple of two fives in there, but I don't do that. You know, I, I'm like everybody else. We write modern yeah. songs with non-functional harmony, and it's like, but 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 Chick did that, and but then there would be a twist. You know, it's a two five, but he went to the six instead, or whatever. You yeah, know, it's yeah, something yeah. something to like you go, and so so some of that, and sometimes feel. You know, like a Latin feel or a, 
or uh, something in an odd time or something. It's not as much odd time on that record as a little bit, but not much. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, 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 at some of them, I very specifically saw the players in my head. Like I said, I'm going to write this melody in such a way that I know it's going to sit incredible on the vibes for Mike to play, you know, for instance. Or, um, you know, same with, with, with um, Bob Minzer. I knew his tone in inside now and I knew where he was really strong and the registers and everything and said, I'm going to optimize these. So yeah, I had the luxury to do that. And, and I thought about it because I think that's the job of a composer. If you, if you did a concerto very often, you, especially, you know, of the first debut of a concerto, you'll often know who the soloist might be or mm-hmm. who, who the lead player might be. I know Chris Brubeck definitely does this when he writes for, for an instrument. So he tries to take advantage of their strong suit and, yeah. and their strongest thing. So that's basically what I was doing. I'm going like, this is an optimum vehicle for this guy, and he's going to have a good time, so therefore he's going to play yeah, yeah. the crap out of it. Yeah. As opposed to play this thing that's really not great for this instrument <laughs> and make it sound good, you know? Yeah, right. So there, there's that. And I think that's another lesson we all can learn, and, um, and I'm glad I... I I think I've learned it. I'll think, you know, I still make mistakes. You go, oops, that maybe wasn't the best idea. But a lot, and a lot of these players, not all of them, but many of them, I've used across the years on, on totally different music. Like a lot of them, I come from my work with Michael Franks because Michael was famous for like having thirty great musicians on his records. So, uh, I mean, I could name twenty more guys that I worked with regularly that I could easily have. And at one point I was thinking about doing a bass record with just my bass friends like Mark Egan and and Jimmy Aslip and all these guys that we've actually co-produced tracks on the same album and we all have our own way of doing things. Um I may do that at some point, but you know, but, but yeah, so it's it's fun. Yeah. Well, um back to the drummers mm-hmm. uh in that same realm, do you have like a when it comes to writing for people, do you have like a any like drummers you love to write for one day, like a Oh, who I'd love to write for? Yeah. Well, I got a little bit of a chance for that this this summer because uh, I did two songs with Steve Gadd, and I I was like, I know, I, I've known Steve Gadd since I was 17. And I think we went through all of this, like growing up in Woodstock, I, I met Mike Maneri, and I used to go to Steve Gadd's house and listen to um, stuff, rehearse, and all these yeah. guys because... Um, uh, Mike's son Fred was a, a friend of mine, so that oh, was okay. our after-school activity was going to see. Wow, that's not hard. Gad, Gad, and the Brecker brothers rehearse in his little three seventy-five. This is pre-Jerry and Tony had moved up here um, part-time, so Tony was part of the first steps as well, which oh. was Malat, which was called Lamage. Really, so, I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, and then they they originally called themselves Steps, got a deal um in japan and later found out that there already was a band named steps didn't care put the record out anyway got sued and then it became steps ahead ah. but, so that was part of it but yeah the original band, band was warren bernhardt um mike maneri steve gad um tony levin and um uh who played keys then oh no it was warren warren played keys uh, don grolnick was a little bit later david spinoza played guitar mm. so that was the core group that that, that didn't wa- and and that was close to the band that recorded only they added Brecker and Eddie Gomez wound up playing bass instead of Tony because Tony I think probably got Paul Simon around that time so he started working with him or Carly they were also basically Carly Simon's backup band at the time 
Um, so yeah, so the, you know, this is like seventy eight ish or so. So it was it was a it was a big learning experience for me. And then I lost touch with a few of them. But Gad had always been a good guy and a friend of mine. And and, and uh, so getting to and we were originally he was going to play on Rainbow Gravity, but during the making of the second Lamage record, Warren Bernhardt actually had a heart attack during one of the best piano solos <laughs> I've ever heard. Really? Yeah, he's like, uh, and he finishes and goes, "I'm not feeling so good." So yeah, oh and, my god, and, yeah, and so it was crazy. <clears throat> so we had to get him to the to the hospital. That we called up his doctor and he said, "Get him to the hospital right away." He didn't look like he was, but he had, he had had a heart attack and it was during playing. This was in your studio. Yeah. Oh yep. my God. And so then we had to finish the record without him and, and overdub because they had really literally just, just played down the record, maybe do a few takes. Wow. And, yeah. It was very few overdubs. Um, and yeah. And then Gad was always, you know, I mean, he was, he was very upset by Warren, but once we knew he was going to be okay, it was every morning. He was pissed in. that Warren had the nerve to have a heart attack. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. So things like that, or he'd you know he'd walk in in the morning and go, uh, uh, "Angiogram for Mr. Bernhardt," <laughs> oh <my laughs> you know, stuff like that. I mean, you know, but, but we knew he was going to be okay by then. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, or uh, uh, <laughs> what's the other one? Oh, he counts off a song. He's going uh, four, three, two, one, clear. <laughs> so, so he's kind of a card, you know. Yeah, and so, yeah. But but in a, in a very loving way, he, you know, yeah. it was it was it was a way to kind of combat some of the stress, and we had to oh, kind yeah. of do it because. He was going to be leaving on the road for Clapton for like six months or something, and that's the end of that. No more Gad. Yeah. yeah. But um, so being able to write for him has been great. Working more with Omar on a few things um, is is really a pleasure. Um, I, the last couple of years, I've also been working with percussionist Mino um, Sinalu, and we have a really good kind of relationship. Somehow, just we think a lot alike, so. I'm looking forward in the spring. We're going to do some projects together, so that's good. Uh, aside from the hopefully modern times thing, where we've got going, if we can. Yeah, if you got a if lot anybody, of projects. I do, but you know, you got a lot of pots. I'm old. <laughs> You're old. I'm old. I only have so much time time left to do this stuff. <laughs> you know. <laughs> You know that peak? You go, oh yeah, man! I'm I'm, I'm like the peak of my thing. <laughs> Is there a peak? I'm gonna keep on the lookout. Uh, for yeah, that. keep on the lookout. Yeah. You got some time, but, but <laughs> I, I, and I think I have some time too. But I I actually have seen I have it. some body aches. Yeah, if body that aches. counts. Well, they might add up one day. Yeah, you know, to you, they're Pat, adding up. You know, to you, just going, oh heck, I can't. I can't I, see anymore. You're yeah. having a heart yeah. attack in the oh, middle of a great soul. That's been the hardest thing for me is the the vision change because it's I can't. Bastard. No, yeah. no glasses, I no know. contacts. But it is, you know, and then somebody throws this crazy chart in front of you, and you're trying to read the chart, and you get your glasses set at just the right place, <laughs> but then you want to look at everybody else, and you're like, yeah, eh, and you yeah. don't see anything. It's like, I have the. the I, I tried them. I they work for a while, but then they just got too weird, and I was like. Like, you know, yep. and I also have three pairs of readers. That if I, I have want in that kind areas. of uh, experience, there's acid. You know, there is acid. <laughs> That's true. I find that the best thing though is the iPad for reading. Yeah, now. yeah, uh, it is. Just as far, it's just crisp and it's backlit. It is. It's true. Yeah. It's much better. Old yeah. old eye problems. Yeah, and and they 
they they mean something. Who who, who watches these podcasts? Is this my musicians? Mom. Your, your my mom, mother yeah. mostly. Yeah. 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 In her limited vision, um, I also, I also, I do do some knitting. Uh, I, I, crochet, I crochet on occasion. So, if there's any questions oh, about good. from the audience, <laughs> no, we're getting to the good stuff. This, this, this stuff. music stuff, it's like you know, I've talked about it, but uh, but my, nobody ever asked me about my crochet. My, I was going to ask you about your sweater. Knit, it's, knit it's one. Lovely. Oh, I knit one in pearl too. Yeah, but I spilled on the way down. I think so. Because you're, right. you're driving too fast. In the I'm driving too one. fast, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I could follow up with a question that's talking about just working with Jack. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite recordings in the last, uh, I could say five years, I guess, uh, is Hudson with John yeah. Schofield. So I actually was curious about, I don't know how much of that record you've checked out, but I went and saw, I saw that live. You see the band, yeah. Mm-hmm. That was amazing. But I also saw the videos you were posting. Yeah. Uh, but I, are you, uh, two questions, I guess. Are you producing on that? Yeah. Okay. So well, co-producing with the band, but yeah, we're all producers for that. That's, that, I would yeah. think that yeah. with all those players. Um, yeah. And, and you know, th- what's great is they, they, they are all friends and they have immense faith in me and they went out on the road and said, yeah, just do your thing. So, yeah, I remember you telling yeah, me so that. So I make, and that happens with a lot of my projects these days because people, especially, Especially some of the older guys who, who uh, they've spent some time in the studio. They don't need to spend anymore. They're like, yeah, just send us what when you when you when you're happy, send it to us. I didn't know that was a thing until you told me that's what you were doing. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, oh, that sounds so much better than what I would do with yeah. coming over and like painstakingly going. Like, there was yeah, no in, need. The, in the end, Jack came over like the last day after we were all pretty happy, and we both sat there. I don't think I think yeah, maybe Larry did too, but everybody else was on the road. And we just uh, made some very final tweaks, and that was it. You know, just like so, he gave you insight on where he wanted things panned as far as he was. Or sometimes was that you know, it's you got with Jack in particular. You got to remember he played on so many records. He often played left and didn't never even. He was lucky if he even heard the record right. until you know somebody put it in his face. Right. Even all the Miles stuff, nobody stayed around for that. Often not even Miles. It was just Theo. And, and, um, um, so a lot of them just didn't have, and, and Manfred with ECM, it was like, they might sit for a playback, but they weren't going to be in on a mix session. They didn't, they didn't care. So that's gotta be great for you, right? Yeah, it is. It gives me a little bit of freedom. I mean, I'm, I'm with music like that in particular, but really with everything I try to do, I'm always trying to mix as we're, as we're going along. Now it isn't always possible to have a final mix, but I'm a little bit lazy and I want to be able to just stand up and go, yeah, things sound good. I don't have to move that fader or go, oh, wait, this will sound better if we do this. Or once you can hear that. Right. So I'm trying to track it in such a way that it always kind of feels like it could be a mix. Yeah. And with you, it's hard because <laughs> guitar goes up, guitar goes down. No, I don't. I got, I got five more fuzz pedals I need to put. No, <laughs> I really am idol, kidding. No, it's not him at all. No, it's not him at no, all. But I, it no. is amazing to hear those things yeah. with Sko and. Uh, um, it just feels like I, I doubt there's any uh, any punches and any of that stuff. No, not not with um, not with anybody in that group. Because once we left the heads, we were in improv land. Yeah. Um, now that doesn't mean that sometimes we don't fix a few things, especially if it's in a head. But but with that band, I don't recall doing it. We had another take that had it perfect. I mean, Schofield's very let go. This, I've, to be honest, that's a common trait among most of the. 
the more well-known jazz musicians I know is their ability to let go. If it was a really bad take, they go, let's do another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And generally speaking, that's the take then. Yeah. If they're auto-corrected what, what was not right about it. Yeah. Um, it feels like that when you're listening to it. It right. still feels right. like a and live Scofield's recording. And Schofield's famous for, you know, yeah, that's how I played it, you know? You know yeah, it's that's awesome. That's what it is. Yeah, and every time I've heard him play live or every yeah. studio recording I have... It always has that same exact yeah. feeling, which yeah. I, as a producer or as someone who's working in that environment, you, you do, do you feel that that's, uh, that you, you, you enjoy that more? Well, yeah, uh, I won't go so far as to say more, but I enjoy the fact that the, that the artist themselves is enjoying what they're doing. So you're an enabler at that point. Uh, yeah, I hope so. That's the whole thing. Right. I want to get things up, ready, going support it you know say right. you know the, the the nice thing is is i've gotten to the point where um you know musicians mostly do ask my opinion i mean that kind of quasi famous story when i worked with keith richards of of i i literally yelled out to keith i said so what do you think of that and he, and he goes i don't know that's what the fuck you're here for <laughs> <laughs> and i was like i'm like Sorry if I said something for the yeah, children yeah, yeah, on the show, yeah, but yeah. Um, uh, you just can, math mom, just 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 bleep that. A lot please. of eight-year-old uh, yes. Keith fans. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of eight-year-olds. Uh, yeah, he's really but, popular but, on TikTok. But, but strangely <laughs> enough, that was funny at the time. But it was also like, oh yeah, uh, okay, right. I'm, I do have a role in this, and then yeah. I should take that seriously, and I and 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 evaluate it, and 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 it's good. It, it's what they what they expect the artists you know they don't want to be told a lot of stuff but just i think maybe there's a better take can we try another one that's a pretty powerful thing to say if if because you're an audience member at that point i rely and, on that in you know. the studio with you uh yeah. i know uh even mixing with you where like yeah. i'll hear something uh and I'll make a note of it. Okay, let's t let's bring that up when we're done listening to this. And by the time I bring it up, you had already fixed it without me saying anything. Like you, you have those kinds of ears. When yeah, you're, when we're you're often. Well, I think hopefully we're you know we're 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 at the same basic place. But the truth is, is there's a lot of audio hallucinations that occur, and we things we think we hear, things we don't hear. Uh, because we concentrate somewhere else. So, you know, it's a lot of uh, sleight of hand going on in music. So, yeah, I appreciate it, especially at the later stages. If you're going to sit there and watch me EQ a kick drum, which I rarely do, um, it makes me nervous. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. But yeah. on the other hand, if you come in a little bit later in the process and go, oh, yeah, okay, how can we try this, this, this? Then we have a little laundry list of things. Yeah. We haven't lost the plot. Yeah. You know? Sometimes you lose the plot. Yeah, that's a horrible place to be because yeah. uh, it, it costs a lot of money to lose that plot. It does because then people come back in and go, man, what were we, what were we thinking? What were we yeah. thinking? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a rough spot to be yeah. in. I, I yeah. don't enjoy that spot at all. And, you know, I'd say 90% of the time, in pop, whether it's pop jazz or anything else, those first impressions tend to be right. They're, yeah. you know, second guessing them. And if they're really wrong, the next morning it tells you that and you do a fix, you know, and you're, yeah. you're good to go yeah the problem with today for me and not the problem with today that what i struggle with Kids is today. Kids today. <laughs> what i struggle with is i can't put together enough uh gigs or concerts with the same band yeah. to walk into the studio and just say let's just lay it down yeah. like and that's the like i'm either hiring ringers so to speak mm -hmm. um because i can't afford to work with that band yeah. on the road yeah. um or i end up second guessing after the fact but there's no way to determine 
um, it's it's just a very expensive endeavor when it, it's hard to sustain a group uh, with gigs. Mm-hmm. He's like, you can't. It's hard no, if no. it's an unknown band or whatever. It's the or if it's in the jazz world, it's hard to sustain enough gigs that would support yeah. doing an album. So there's a lot of stress involved. And working with you in the studio makes it as probably easy as like as it could be oh, just well, because that. well yeah i mean it's uh everybody's comfortable and everybody you, what you bring to it is is uh well your musicianship and your 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 what you're talking about as an engineer sounds like how i would describe your bass playing which is to be supportive and listen to what's going on and that's kind of priceless oh, okay. in the in that environment and i'm sure uh schofield and and john Medeski and uh and jack dejanet yeah. and um uh, Larry, Larry yeah, Grenadier yeah. appreciate that, or, or 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 maybe they maybe they don't like you. I have no idea. I've never. <laughs> I, I, they seem to. They keep coming back for more. In yeah. fact, uh, um, on this new record I just did, Larry Grenadier and I are actually doing. Um, we're both playing on one of my. I tunes. saw that. I, yeah. You're right. I, I heard you and talking about. I that. love it because I'm doing. Some, I'm playing piccolo bass. I and Larry's playing under me and Rachel and Omar and it's. Wow. I'm really proud of that one. It's a almost Eberhard Weberish kind of tune, which is which is interesting, but uh, kind of another throwback to that. Which is interesting because online asked. Larry's pretty famous for being in chat rooms talking a whole lot of smack uh, about I, you. I, yeah, you know he's it, that kind of me. guy. He's that kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I only met him once. Him and, and, that, him, and he, that, him and that gut he, string, you know. What's that? What's that about? You know, like, he is one, one gut little. string or whatever. Shots fired. World, Shots fired. world star. No, I. He's I, like he, one of the most loveliest human he's beings. He's one that, of the loveliest yeah. guys. We're going to do a benefit in um, at the Bearsville Theater on on the nineteenth. Leslie and I will be there. And Rebecca, his Martin, his wife Larry. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Byron Isaac and his band. Nineteenth uh, of what? December uh, or nineteenth uh, of December? It's yeah. going to be an afternoon for the food. It's not the food pantry. It's, it's Woodstock Table or something like that. Excellent. But um um. Yeah, and it'd be nice. It's kind of duets, but we'll play some things together. I think Rachel's going to come up and play a couple of things oh, wow. with us. So yeah, interesting. Yeah. The first time I heard Rebecca and Larry play together, Schofield was on it. It was at mm-hmm. the, the over at the Falcon. Yep. yep, that was an amazing night of music. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll call that guy up and see if he wants to come up. John, he'll be off the road from with working with Dave Holland. Yeah, yeah. I've been following. Their, I have their... too. I love. I love that he posts those pictures. It's so great. Have you, have you seen, seen them? The, have you seen them? They're going John... through Europe on a on a, in a tour bus. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Yeah, it's really just good. Photographs of like the the scene. Like, yeah. yeah see, I love the one with Dave where he's going kind of like <laughs> John. I think we should stop taking photos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's really, it's really. But Dave's funny. so proper, you know. So yeah. it's so great. Yeah. But I got, I got to work with Dave a bit during the pandemic because uh, he was, he was teaching at New England Conservatory online. So I helped him set up all of his stuff. He yeah, unfortunately his house uh, burned down basically oh, last. Dave Holland's house. Yeah, it happened uh, last uh, uh, Easter. Oh my and, god! Yeah, and he—I uh, think he lost one of his good bases, but the best bases, he's the ones he uses the most. We're okay. I had no idea. Yeah, he was pretty low key. He—he he lives not too far from me. I was gonna say he's over in your neck of the woods. Yeah, and I—I I, I would go over and help him with different things, just getting his shit together, and and also uh, to set up uh, so he could teach easily from wow. home. And uh, but he's another lovely guy, you know. Um, the talk I, about he, you know, he always hands me a bass. Hey, check out my, check out the new electric. Yeah, you know, he loves playing electric, actually, which he didn't when he was with Miles. But now he, he loves it. Yeah. Um, but you know, he's got he's got action on it that makes your average upright look like you know. <laughs> so I'm trying to play. Like, oh, yeah, 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 Dave, I can't play this bass. Like, you know? 
<laughs> like you got you have hands of a jackhammers, you know. Yeah, he's got some pretty magnificent. Yeah, and watching him hits. play, you know, I remember we did this this the 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 um the a quartet record with um Craig Taborn, J- um Dave uh who's who else is on it? Um um Ches Smith, drummer, wonderful drummer actually. He plays with David Torn quite a okay, bit. Okay, okay. And um um uh one more guy plays sax and it's gone out of my head. But anyway, just watching Dave for eight hours, I, I learned so much about his pot, about posture, everything, because he's playing hard and they're playing for like eight hours and they're playing and they're not taking breaks. I mean, they were, you know, maybe a couple of minutes between the song. I'm going, no way, man. And, and he's, you know, in his 70s. I'm thinking, man, there's something going on here. And it really, I realized, you know, after a while that it was all about positioning and, and just the way he was holding his body and everything. So mm. balance, you know, another, yeah. another really good lesson, you know? Yeah. That's something I struggle with is just having the right balance where you're, there's no well, extra attention. Ron Carter's got it for you. I, I have a couple of friends who took lessons with Ron and Ron will let you, won't let you play a note until he makes sure that you're holding the bass properly. Like he may, he may, <laughs> do four lessons like that make you look in a mirror and no don't play anything yet yeah, you know yeah. <laughs> the I, clock's ringing <laughs> <laughs> i had a friend who said he took a lesson it was just like yeah. one hour of the f major scale yeah yeah that's like. what i mean yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah that waltz and he must have had decent posture because he got to actually to play a couple of notes but yeah you know that's good yeah, yeah. but, but there is there f is too there, <laughs> there, there is importance to all of that well you know this is a guitar player we get we get ergonomically challenged um uh all the time between our backs and our the true and carpal tunnel and everything else or whatever else you could be developing so what i struggle with uh, more than anything in the last i'd say 30 years is it all changes based on who's around you playing Mm -hmm. like i can get i'm very i can be very comfortable at home and get a sweet spot and then you go to a gig and do a sound check and somebody's symbols just way louder than yeah, you, and and all you, of a sudden you're tense and you're yeah and you know, all the setup that hard. you're very comfortable with doesn't serve you anymore like you just feel no. i feel like i don't know what instrument this is or i can't play and that's the hard part yeah. like in the studio it's hard too if you're in a place where you're 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 like in certain rooms i can i'm comfortable in other rooms i'm just not and it's mm-hmm. irritating yeah at yeah. at, at at minimum, it's irritating, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. No, uh, that's 100% true. It doesn't seem to change either. That's the one thing I always think. But those guys don't better. seem to struggle with it. Like, I'm, like, or I've never seen, they, like, every time I see Schofield play in any environment, he's just always has that, that face happening, and he's into what, and he's always making I, beautiful music. I agree with you. I, I think it's... Seems to be able to do it. Yeah, there's an adapting, um, and maybe that's just it. They just have some ability to adapt a little quicker to the surrounding and... Or the make, philosophy of what let the chips fall, and, right, right, and, yeah. and you know, I mean, to be fair, when you're when you're performing a largely improvisational music, you have a bit more room to make adjustments in everything from volume to how dense something is. You know, if a room is really reverberating a certain way, if you're playing, you know, tunes that yeah. that are arranged, you got to play them the way they're you're yeah. supposed to play them. There's only a, there's a smaller window of opportunity to make those adjustments. Yeah, that's true. I didn't think about it like that, yeah. but that is true. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. But, but, um, but I hear that, but I hear what you're saying, even when somebody gets together and just plays standards, sometimes I think, you know, they don't really adjust for the space they're in. I mean, I know I have many times not. And then I gave it some thought and said, Oh yeah, just don't, don't play so loud or don't <laughs> don't play with that articulation and hope that everyone will kind of see you're doing that and move with you. Yeah. 
And also, you, you don't know. know what it sounds like twenty feet away from you. Uh, that's the other. That's always the the crapshoot of of um, you know you're standing pretty close to your amp, but you have no clue what's happening out in the space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or how much? Yeah, and you're hoping the sound guy is actually paying attention and and hopefully making it decent. Hopefully, yeah. That, yeah that's yeah. that's all. A crap I mean, and in a, in a way, that's that's another reason for the comfort level. Um, I've actually started playing. I think I I had them at did i have them at your gig no i used the other speakers but i have a couple of qscs i have firing up at me because most of the time i'll just give the, the front of house i don't even care if, i mean for some rockier things i'll use the amp but i just want to hear myself in a in a, a nice pleasant way with enough direct tone especially playing bass that you have you hear the articulation yeah. of the note yeah um and 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 that's how Kurt Rosenwinkel's set up now. You know, he's he's using a couple QSCs and a fractal, and it's I all about him. That a couple you know? years ago, the last yeah. one. I, I mean, you're a little at the mercy of the sound man, but you are anyway if you're playing on stage and they're miking your amp. Yeah. You know, so it's always a little bit tricky to know if it's if it's coming across out front the same way. But yeah, I saw him at the Blue Note with that that big band. Uh, they mm -hmm. made the record. I'm forgetting the name of the record though. Um, yeah, but uh, me too. It, it was a fractal, and you could see the name of the tune come up. So he was yeah. set up. For yeah, oh, yeah, he definitely has his shit together with that. Yeah, yeah, not as a player. So no, much, but, uh, no, not at all. <laughs> I know. Shout out to Kurt. Uh, I know. Well, that's because he had, <laughs> had to go and learn to play the piano now, so he could do a piano record. He's you know? always been so. Uh, yeah, that, that again, so annoying. Yeah, <laughs> so so annoying. <laughs> um, well, uh, you know. Let me know, of course, if this is starting to go too long at any point. Um, you know, I have a few other things I want to touch on. Well, I'll just but, get, you, yeah, no, throw me out. Uh, well, yeah, we got the time. I mean, yeah. I don't, and also don't let me hog time if you have more questions to ask. But, you know, so like one of the things I want to touch on for a little bit is some like production and engineering concepts. Okay, sure. So like yep. first to touch on what's something you feel like, um, like a realization as an engineer that made your job a lot easier that kind of like changed the way you approached engineering mm -hmm. and please use me as the example yeah i could do that like mic them up <laughs> yeah, my, put the guitar up as far away from you as, as possible um, i feel the same way actually so yeah yeah i mean you know this is a hard one only because you every time you think you learn something next time you do it it's probably going to be different there's some some basic things that do sort somewhat stay static, um, but I I think in a more global sense, um, not trying to impose myself on the session at least initially. You know, sometimes I wind up imposing a little more. And what I mean by that is, go out. I actually go out and usually try to listen to as much of the band as I can. But, you know, let's see, let me really hear how the drummer's playing that snare drum. Is he, you know, is he ghosting some notes and I'm not aware of that, stuff like that. You know, I, I won't usually put my head down on, on Matt Fink's amp, but, you know, for normal people, play it you know, <laughs> decent volumes. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but what kind of tone is coming out of the amp? And are you hearing that tone where you're standing? You know what I mean? Or are you hearing, you know, because, you know, as soon as you... As soon as you're not got your head down there where the microphone is, it's a different sound. It really so, is, and, it, and for me, it's in the room. Right. Like if I'm in a, if I'm in your bigger, your biggest room, yeah, the yeah, big live, yeah. I prefer to record in sure, that room. Sure, My, it makes sense. And yeah. I don't know if that's because the way you're miking it, because I know you usually do two mics, right? Yeah, usually with guitar, I, I use a ribbon and a dynamic. May or may not wind up that way in a mix. Sometimes, especially if we do did overdubs. I might 
uh, skew that balance on the two different ones to create slightly different tone or imaging, stuff like that. Um, again, it's not rocket science, but they're, those are starting places. Um, drums, again, like the band thing I said before, become so important that everybody's hearing them well, so spending some time with headphones, hopefully, because nobody's going to be, ever be happy. Some people are, are let go about it much quicker than others, but um, but nobody's ever completely happy with headphones. I mean, it's just they more they're accepting in the end. You know, it yeah. just is what it is. Um, I'm good in headphones. I actually kind of prefer it because I like, especially when I play acoustic guitar. Hmm. I like the fact that I'm I can really place myself around the mic and almost even with the guitar, work it a little bit. I need a little more low end in a passage and i know i need to lean you know more mm. more this way a little bit i mean this is all subtle stuff or i need it to be a little brighter in a section mm -hmm. then i i know to, to kind of lean a little this way uh, because i'm going to get more brightness towards the bridge or something mm -hmm. um so but i'm l really listening in headphones that's something i don't think a lot of people do um hear their tone in the headphones and make adjustments accordingly um because you're you are hearing the most intimate up in your face representation for the most part i mean we could throw in some room mics and things and make it a little more natural i know i need that yeah yeah we and we have done that yeah, or yeah. somebody needs more reverb than others some people want extreme amounts of reverb in their headphones i try to dissuade that with some things but if it's about creating a vibe then you know it's got to kind of go with it yep. Yep. um so that's that's an important aspect um I think, you know, simplicity, trying to c capture the sound as simply as I can first. Like, because I own it doesn't mean I have to use it. So I that's go, a, I listen. philosophy. I listen and I go, yeah, that's the simplest path to get this onto tape. Later on, if we want to mess with it, great. Mm. But we want to have what you did on the tape. And again, particularly because I'm doing music that largely remains at least pretty close to what we're recording as opposed to, okay, we recorded this, but then we're going to mix a completely different sounding record. That's kind of a whole nother kind of thing yeah. when you, when you're doing that, then almost, almost anything goes, then you might as well just try every crazy thing you can, you know, but, um, but yeah, if I'm going to try and capture what the band is about, then yeah, I'm going to go the simplest route. And I'd see a lot of people try and get tricky with that, or I've got to use a certain preamp for this, or, well, it won't sound good through this. And I'm like, you know, you really want to do the A-B test because you're going to fail. Yeah. I'm going to fail, but you're, you're going to fail miserably, you yeah, know, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, so as a producer, when you're mixing the records, mm -hmm. do you have like a particular philosophy or like a, or is there a particular realization don't, you've had that? Don't screw up. Well, <laughs> I, I always have that problem, Scott. <laughs> um, and what I mean by that is like, you know, never get so caught up in doing something that um, is cool or hip, maybe like a sound or an effect, but it kind of obliterates an aspect of the song that's really important. I, I'm a I'm a groove guy first. I mean, I know people, when I was working a lot with singer-songwriters, it took me a long time to realize that they listen to the words first. Mm. You know, and... And not everybody does that. I mean, it's like they've done studies on this when people listen to music. How many people identify first with the, the beat? Me. Yeah, I, I, 100%. It, a lot of us who play jazz, that's mm -hmm. the way it is. 
someone who plays a guitar and sings a song, it's the melody and the song and the singing. Yeah. They hear that before they hear anything else. I hear the melody before the lyrics. Yeah. If I like the melody, then me, I'll cue into too. the Exactly. The I'm lyrics. the same way. And that's very typical, I think, of, of, of instrumentalists in particular. Oh, okay. Because you know, we, we, those are the things we want. We want groove and we want melody. Melody, yeah. And okay, lyrics are good. Yeah. But if you just wrote a song or if you're someone who listens to a lot of words from songs, then that's going to be really forefront. Yeah. So try not to, to get in the way of that if it's, you're working on a song. If you're working on a on a tune where Matt's playing melody, then yeah, you want to make sure you enhance that that melodic line because that's the next thing that um, the audience is going to tune into. You know, they want to hear what the melody is. They're going to feel the groove, want to hear the melody, um, and then the rest of the rhythm section is sort of the the gel. You know? yeah. I mean, every tune's going to be a little different, but it, that's that's kind of a basic philosophy. Don't 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 mess up the top and the bottom. Uh, which would also include the bass, obviously, because that's part of that groove. So bass and drums on the bottom. If you, if I can make something sounds good with bass, drums, no, no chords or anything else, and the melody line at the top, I know I'm like ninety percent there to a good mix. Because the rest of the stuff, I just find where it should sit, mm -hmm. and that's also the stuff that tends to get flipped around a little bit more. So okay, you know. So that's regardless of how many instruments are in the project that you're well, working on. Yeah, but I try to convince people to use fewer instruments when possible, but arrange them better. Again, the, that overtone series pyramid really becomes important to me. It's like, have we got this this down here covered? And usually it's, you know, this is a lot of octave stuff. Then maybe in the middle we've got more, a little more harmonic content mm -hmm. happening, and then the real colors at the top. And if that happens, it's amazing what two, three instruments can create as opposed to yeah. 14 instruments or um and, th and then i start to categorize things like okay this is this this strummed guitar part is adding percussion um and this you know more arpeggiated and ambient part is adding more color mm -hmm. so i might treat them differently in how they're placed in a mix okay you know, so yeah, it's, I'm not I'm not negating that those things or things that come in and then mm. disappear and stuff like that. Um, but again, you know, to me, it's like there's a shape to songs that has worked, whether we talk about the form or we talk about the uh, kind of curve. You know, are we starting out up here and coming down a bit and then moving up? But we always have sort of this what you used to call the the uh, shout chorus aspect mm -hmm. to which we reach this peak and then we start to make its way down to the end or maybe it'll end at that peak. But, yeah. but those, those, those ideas of like, what's the shape of it to me dictate when you should be bringing in or out certain elements um, so that you're not necessarily making the drums and the bass louder or uh, rhythm guitar or something. So you're, you're orchestrating sonically. Exactly. Gotcha. Yeah, it's always come to me, and maybe it's because of my 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 background and training. Always orchestration and um, arranging, and the word production to me is just somewhat synonymous with that. That's not everybody's definition of it, but in a, in effect, that's what it is. <laughs> you know, what I mean, you know. Now, so. for like a like a young producer yeah what's one of the, like the more nuanced things that are just hard to hear like what's something you have to really train your frequencies ear just every individual like uh, yeah yeah i mean you should know you should know when you're listening to your mix that i've got an issue around 220 okay okay um you should be able to go 
Uh, I need more clarity in the guitar, but he's a little raspy at 7K, so maybe I'm going to boost 2.5. You don't have to have it exactly. You won't be exact, but you should have a sense of where these things live. Uh, because otherwise you're just playing willy nilly with, and, I, and then I, that's why I get these mix, you know, home mixes of people with these EQ curves that are insane. I mean, if you see if you see a boost or a cut in any of my records, they're they're tiny, they're tiny mm. little cut, cuts more than boosts, and boosts tend to be on the extremes. Yeah, you know, it's like I can boost the whole, lift the whole bass a little, or lift the whole top end, but in that mid range there, I'm either trying to find problems and dipping them a bit. Or if I need a little enhancement, they tend to be kind of fairly uh, what we call a wide cue because I want them to kind of travel over, but not not loud, but just have a fairly wide cue so that they they lift in the spot I need, but it's a gradual place. It's more musical for one. That's how all of the great analog EQs work. Like my my APIs, there they, as I dial in more, the cue actually goes from being very pointed. The cue is how how um wide we're 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 upping or decreasing a yeah. signal so to it goes it, it actually does this it, it folds out so now i'm raising it less here where i wanted it but i'm also bringing it up gradually on both sides oh. so i'm creating a more musical way whereas if i just did a peak obviously i'm creating a resonance that's going to bark out you know right, in right. certain places right. so i'll tend to cut cut resonances boost musically in a few different ranges mm. so and there's a good reason why you know you go to an evq and it's set for 7k because that's perfect frequency to bring up the snare drum with a fairly uh medium you know um cue to it um and oh and or 12k to add all the air at the top stuff like that so cool. you know, yeah. they, they didn't they didn't just make those numbers up they're very musical there's you can again go into the overtone series and harmonics and everything else, but that's to me learn learn what you're hearing, and um, and then apply that to this music that you're listening to. Well, you yeah. also have an uncanny way of being able to take someone's description and convert it into what those numbers mean. Like I know I've that I've been like something's wrong and you're like well what's wrong and i'll describe it and you and then you know how to then you know what i'm referring because i don't think yeah in those and numbers. you just said something else that i took me a long time to learn ask what's wrong because because yeah, yeah. if i'm hearing it and it sounds good to me i go so sounds good to me what's, right what's wrong right you know and uh or or sometimes i'm the i'm the one going man there's something i'm just not quite quite there yet it's just not sitting and then I'll, I'll I'll either sometimes then I start to look at you or the player and go what can we do different to well that's the musician side of you the, yeah, too that you recognize yeah, something physically is, right well let's like yeah, or yeah what's in the chain that maybe we can alter slightly so I'm not messing with it so much right. on the other side yeah yeah so I thought those are those are big ones for me yeah I mean I mean that's like I'm I'm still have so much like to learn about that side of things and it's really not my focus but i'm sure there's a lot of listeners who, who really need that no kind and of with so many people mom. recording at home it's just just helpful even if you don't have the primo listening experience because some of that stuff will crop up because of the, w the way you're listening um mm -hmm. you know an issue or a peak or a resonance or a standing wave or all these other technical terms um but the the overall thing is is understanding that well okay in a mix we all like our guitars when we're listening to them to be big and round and chunky and everything else but the truth is is in a mix 
Bruce Swadian, who did all of those great records like Michael Jackson's Thriller and everything else, he was high-passing the guitar at 300 hertz. There was nothing below that because that's what spoke in the mix. Now, you know, again, that's mostly in a pop context and you're filling in lots of other stuff, so that might not be... You, you don't go, right. oh, what? but Bruce Swadian does it at 300 hertz, so I'm going to lop it there. But losing a little bit of that at the bottom gives me more room for the kick drum, a little more room for the, for the bass... And all of a sudden, the guitar speaks. And it doesn't need the weight that it was carrying around, you know? Yeah. So stuff like that on its own. And that's another thing. Soloing things is a mixed blessing. In fact, if anything, when I solo something or adjust something, I shouldn't say a solo, but if, say, I want to adjust the kick drum, this is a really hard thing for most people to, to grasp early on is they're listening to the kick drum. I'm listening to everything else. Because as I change that kick drum, everything else is changing in relation to that. And when that feels right, everything else feels right. That's right. So you yeah. know what I mean? It's the it's always the relationship to yeah. everything. And um, so so that, that's a very hard one for people to learn. But really good engineers get it. One day you just wake up and go, oh, geez. Yeah, and Nobody it's also cares hard. about the kick drum. They care about how it feels in the whole track, you know? Yeah. It's so. also hard to have more than one person giving you feedback about what you're listening yeah. to. Yeah, because everybody's got a different opinion. Yeah. yeah, which also ends up being much more expensive. And that yeah. was a tough one to learn. Uh, yeah. it's, I'm still learning that one, but well, a lot yeah. of that learning happens in your studio, oh, well, <laughs> working well, with different people and well, then realizing, okay. I'm glad I could take all that money for me, but... Um, <laughs> But I'm giving it all back right now. So, <laughs> literally, <laughs> literally, they charge a fortune to be on this show. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it that one was that I, I know that I specifically in your studio working with different people. Like I'm, I'd like to make everybody happy, mm -hmm. but you can't. It, no, you can't, old. and and you shouldn't because once they leave the building, if we do good work, they will like it. Yeah. If even not, if it's even if it's else. not in that moment right. yeah right well that's there is always there is always the case that that but hopefully you've for your first line of defense in production is hopefully you've got the people who you think are going to make the best noise yeah that's the first line yeah. and that you sometimes you don't know and 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 there's something to be said well especially when people used to have more budgets to being able to take an experiment and say you know this guy may not be the guy you'd expect to do this, but he could bring something completely different to it. He yeah. could also bring a total disaster to it. So that's that's the downside. So as a producer, if I have a budget, I may, I always weigh those things. I'm yeah. like, I mean, um, yeah, I've gotten bad tracks from really great players occasionally if they didn't care. You know? Yeah, yeah. If they cared, they're great. I've also watched you make some of those tracks sound yeah <laughs> really great yeah yeah <laughs> i know a few of them yeah yeah i do too mm -hmm. uh which is also a remarkable side of what you do in production oh. it's like you can you you know that there's something there and then you know what to do to to pull it out yep but i'm also i also like recently i had to say to somebody listen we need to re this one we re really re need to redo it was a drop it was a drum track that mm. just it it was never going to be I could I could make it be in time, but it would never feel good. Oh, you know okay. that kind of thing. Yeah. So I was like, you know, in the time it's going to take me to try to make this something, we can do this again and with a little direction. It'll come off, and hour later it was done. You know, yeah. That's so sometimes better. you got, it, but sometimes people are, oh, I don't really want to bring them back. It's going to cost more money and everything else. I'll be going, 
telling you. They're going to pay if you you're for gonna 20 hours song, to fix you're gonna, it. You're going to, yeah. And I don't want to do it. I know you yeah. don't. <laughs> you know? Um, all right. Well, just to round off the uh, production talk, um, mm-hmm. you know, as for like a, a example of something you worked on, I, w- I was really curious about the, the Dave Brubeck uh, mm-hmm. tapes that you did for the, uh, yes. the, for Time Out. Um, did you like learn something in particular about Brubeck that like, did those extra takes show you something different about that music that mm-hmm. m- like made you think about it differently or music in general differently? And was there any particular like challenges to working with the older tracks, like the sound of them and the way they were recorded? Um, okay. Well, we were lucky that Sony tr- transferred the masters for me at 192 kilohertz. I wound up bumping it down because 192 is a pain to work with, but uh, for archiving, that's great. And they came from mas- the master tapes from the sessions. They were around 12 reels altogether. Unusually for Dave, he, at the time, they went in for two different session periods. They went for two days. Actually, it might have been three altogether initially, which is long because Dave liked to make a record and leave in, in a day. Um, and then came back two weeks later and did another hit. Uh, but here's the interesting thing. I mean, I, I knew Dave well because I grew up with Chris and Danny and we were friends and we've been in bands together and I've worked with them. And I did a couple other records with Dave when he was alive. And one of the most joyful human beings and players ever, um, which comes across in the talking. That's what's really great, is the talking between the takes, um, him communicating with the room. The producer's always in his room. You know, we hear him on the speaker, and that's it. Um, and they're talking about the takes, and the band's talking. But mostly, I, what, you're, what I was most amazed at was particularly the song Take Five, they had just come back from a State Department tour of the Middle East, and Joe Joe Morello got down in the dirt literally every morning with a bunch of street musicians and was playing dumbbag and hand drums with them mm. and everything else. And they're playing in odd meters, and mm. that's where a lot of this started. And he came back, and the first few takes of take five, he sounds like he's trying to play the dumbbag. He's playing the side of the drums. He's got all this metal sounds, and mm. no re- relationship to what we know of as take five. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. But he keeps giving up. He keeps going, ah, yeah, I, can't, I can't get it. I just can't get it, you know? They tried doing it. I think they did. They actually did a few takes that way. Then they um, started to morph, left it for a few days, left it for a day or so, came back, and then it started to morph into the one we know. The take we wound up taking was a really, really good take. I'd say as good as the original, uh, the one we everybody knows. Um Except maybe Dave's solo wasn't quite as happening. It's you know li- clearly he was feeling out some ideas that you then hear in the next take for sure. Um, but the groove had still not quite reached the the, the 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 take five we know. But the drum solo was great. I think it's a great solo. I think it's as good a solo as the the famous solo. Which, and now this is out now. Would yeah, you- it's been out since um, I guess last December. So okay. yeah, because we had, we had to try and get it out in the calendar year for. And what is the, so, is it? Just take five redux it's, or reissue? It's, it's um, all of of Time Out. It's it's oh, Dave okay. Brubeck's Time Out album with all alternate takes. Wow. And normally I don't dig those kinds of things because there's a reason why they were alternate takes, as you know. Yeah, and sometimes there's no diff. There's not. I mean, not much difference, not much or difference they to... weren't as good. Yeah, yeah. But in this case, they are just. Very different because yeah. they were experimenting with time signatures that 
know, are easy to us now, relatively speaking. But, they, but you know, you hear Joe Morell like cursing about, oh, I can't quite, quite, can't quite get right, the seven right, right. right. Yeah, yeah. and Gene Wright not quite nailing it, and you know, and so there, they were. It was new to them, so therefore, there's also some some interesting things that happened mm. that weren't just rope because they were so familiar with it. So that was nice, and 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 um, and it was also recorded on three tracks. So that was technically interesting. It was recorded in the same studio as Kind of Blue six months earlier. So it basically, same equipment, same production team, very different sounding records, um, and we were, you know just really iconic kinds of things about it. And and just hearing the band patter. And the talk with with um, Teo um, um, producing it, it, it just kind of was revolution, you know, kind of a revelatory moment. And then you just put yourself back in that time and say, all this other stuff hadn't come yet, you know. Mm. Um, that's amazing. I didn't realize. I mean, yeah. I saw you posted about that, but I didn't realize that's what you were doing. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool. It, wow. it was really great. And and I've done a few other compilation records with people, and I've always felt a little let down that we really just found stuff that was good and interesting. I felt the Jack Johnson box set had some stuff. I think Dave even said that should have probably never seen the light of day. But historically, it's interesting. Yeah. This feels like all music all the way through. That's amazing. So I mean, whether you know Dave, whether you love Dave's music or not, it. It's very true to being a Dave Brubeck record and not some kind of a just cheap spinoff or something. And when you say three track, that's one of those huge consoles, right? It looks well, like something you'd see at NASA. Yeah, that was big, but the actual machine was an Ampex machine that had three individual tracks. And what they did was they put the piano on this, usually was the, the track one, which was kind of left, drums on the right, and they put... Um, Paul and uh, Eugene in the center oh, on wow. the same track. And it kind of made sense, the highest instrument and the lowest instrument, so they still had a little control over frequencies. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, so I could actually mix it, which I actually... I'm kind of proud of the mix of it, and it's got some amazing reviews in stereo magazines because, uh, you know, I, I mean, I had the benefit of a lot of other things. I think I kind of beat the stereo, the first stereo mix, for sure, of the real record, you know? Wow. So wow. that was kind of fun, I, I, and, yeah. I, and I didn't even really think about it, but I actually sought out stereo versions of the record, and I found one in Dave's house. It was a, a cat's eye blue um, label, it was, you know, the, uh, the CBS label had this little blue, and it was like a cat's eye. My, yeah. That was like the one. That that one was the was the, the perfect sounding one because there were so many versions that were put out. I didn't realize that. Yeah, it was remastered three or four times, almost all of them badly compared, especially when compared to that. Um, and and so yeah, it was kind of archaeology. Chris did a lot of research on on what actually happened at the sessions. There was a guy writing a book at the same time uh, about basically that whole period, but mm -hmm. particularly Dave's session, and then kind of blew after it. So he had a ton of information, even photos. So we we saw how they were set up in the studio. So we used that for panning information and stuff wow. like that. Yeah, that's fascinating. Cool. Yeah, it's neat. It was fun. Wow. Now getting to work with Dave uh, mm -hmm. in person when you did. Um, was there anything just, you know, in the concept of music in general that he taught you just from how you got to see his approach and, and the way he worked? Yeah, the biggest thing was um, when Dave listened to playback, he was like a kid. He would be sitting there swinging and snapping his fingers as if he'd never heard these guys before. 
<laughs> it was a take he just did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. And and it was like, you know, he's just he was joyful, like beyond belief joyful. It was like, wow, that's and you know, if you do read the history on Dave, he was a very successful musician, but he had some real crap happen to him in the beginning of his career be, between his record label being stolen from him, all these other things. I mean, you know, he had some some pretty down times. I know, I'm not aware. Yeah, but it, you know, it's like it. It all looks like it was all roses the whole time. And yeah, he was a real star and 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 did well, obviously, because he connected with so many people. But his it was the joyfulness of it, and it's the one thing that I wish more people could bring in, especially when they're in the studio. They can do that a little easier sometimes in, in live performance because there's an audience there to. to at least kick them in the head a little bit, hopefully by liking what they're doing. Yep. But man, you might as well like what you're doing. Well, it's also the stress if you're if you're yeah if you're spending it. To, well, that's that's thing. true too. But yeah. he probably wasn't in that situation. No, no. But you know, when he was on Fantasy, he probably was because he was he had started the label, and then when he went to go out on tour, long story short, he basically the accountant who wound up being. John Fogarty's manager, which you probably know some of those stories that John, I, yeah, his, uh, well, John Fogarty in, in Cleans Clearwater sure, got sure. sued over and over and all kinds of stuff by his manager, even losing his name and basically every dollar he ever made in the band, sued by the same guy who stole the label from the, from Dave. Oh. He comes back and I have no label. So um, it was George Avakian says, well, Dave, Come, come over to CBS and record for us, you know? And it was like, you know, we'll, we'll work something out. Because at that point, they didn't really know if they were a jazz label or what okay. they were. They were doing, you know, uh, Perry Como and all that stuff. And he wound up having, making an amazing deal with them where the family got everything back at the, at, at, when, when Dave passed. And oh, no, wow. that never happens. No, so, no. Um, the, in fact, the, the, the lawyers who were long dead, the new lawyers were reading it going, what? <laughs> you know, so he stepped in it, but along the way, there were a lot of downsides. Um, but yeah, jo joyful musician. Um, Chick was the same way. Uh, I can't think of a person who just was more thrilled to sit at an instrument and play. And you just go, wow. You know, it's not all about, I just said, you know, we, we all have our friends who beat themselves up constantly. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you go, uh, well, you know, maybe a little less of that and, and just letting, letting go. And you know, and, who also talks about it. that a lot is Vinny. Vinny, Vinny Kelly. I don't know. Do yeah. you listen to his breakfast? Oh, yeah, with, yeah. yeah. Oh, breakfast it. with Vinny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, but so, he, 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 he talks about, and specifically chick mm -hmm. being that way and and how he learned from that and being able to be in that moment and letting go and and just first time i met chick Corea was in 1979 at the at creative music studio we came for a concert there with miroslav jack anthony braxton and pat metheny and oh and lee Connitz playing together it was great it was a wonderful concert sure I, was, and I, yeah. I wanted to meet chick because you know he's a hero of mine i knew jack already and a couple and i'd actually already met Matheny a couple of times because mm -hmm. he was somewhat local um chick gets off stage i'm there and going mr career you know the yeah, classic yeah, classic yeah. thing and he all of a sudden starts going you're a musician right and uh and, and i go yeah he goes Bartok string quartets. And he starts going into the, it's, <laughs> no yeah, kidding. literally he just starts going off about, you know, wow. he's, he's, he's been working on the Bartok string quartets and he's, and he's just this incredible excitement. And meanwhile, I'm just like, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I'm like a deer in the headlights. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. um, 
but yeah, it was like it was like wow, he immediately kind of accepted me in some way, and that's the way he would be, you know. Yeah. Was very accepting of of people, and for whatever reason, he got a vibe that maybe I was serious about what I was trying to do. And I've said this, and I'll uh, say it again: great. I've never met a great musician who wasn't like that. Mm -hmm. Like I mean, great, like outstanding, brilliant people. I, I think it's true. They yeah. want to engage. Yeah. If they know that you are open to that, they will have that conversation with you, yeah. and they're not mean about it. Nope. Because yep. I've met some 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 not so nice people in this industry, <laughs> yeah, and um, or I, in, for lack of a better word, industry. But but mm -hmm. like that doesn't surprise me at all with Chick. I've seen him speak. I've watched him talk many yep. times, and yep. just open. Dave Scopes I mean, oh. the list is really endless with that. I mean, mm -hmm. some people just feel more zen, like oh, I did what I did. I did what I did. Th those two guys in particular had some kind of joy, as if they were hearing something for the first time that was. Yeah. They didn't even have anything to do with like, oh, oh, what a great idea. You know, it's like, you know. Yeah. So that's that's something to think about. And I'm sure they heard when they made a clunker or something, but they, if they did, it was not, it was just part of what it was. At that and point. part of what those, if you're talking about those people in particular, uh, or Sco or, or Chick, I don't think they're thinking about themselves and uh, and comparing no. themselves to anybody no. else. No. I think it's just about the music because yeah. that's part of what, you could feel bad. Well, about. imagine being a person like that who basically created part of the vocabulary that everybody else uses. <laughs> There's yeah. two guys right there. You yeah, know? it's true. It's like, you know, I, I go back and listen to Schofield in 19, what, 76 or something like that yeah. and go, he, he sounds so modern and so, you know, ahead, yeah. of, ahead of everyone. And you know exactly who it is. Yeah. And I just listened to uh, in the car the other day all of Hudson. Yeah. You know, and I was because I was going through the stuff that you had been part of, and it's in a, it's in a, every record I've ever heard of him always takes you on a journey. It does there's never any, there's no fat, there's no, it's like everything just from the moment it starts, no matter what they're doing, and all of those musicians involved on Hudson yep. are exactly like that, exactly like that, and that's why you don't have to, you're not cutting anything up and joining things together, like it's no, all, you know, they're it, all telling it, a story, and if and when we do any kind of editing, it's usually because we want to grab something or create something different, not not different. some kind of repair. It's like right, right, oh, you know, that was kind of a cool idea, and we're in an improvisation, and we can do it, yeah. You know, so then we have the, are we going to be just documenting everything? Uh, but nothing, yeah, there's no major fixing or gridding or anything like that. You know, right. that's not going to happen. With that, yeah. You know. Yeah. Very gentle yeah. people and, and lovely human beings. Mm -hmm. And it comes across in how they play. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Totally. Got anything yeah. else? I mean, I could go on. I like there's, there's so there's so much I want to know. What the yeah, five yeah. hour interview? No. Yeah, I mean, I love throw another one. Throw care. another one. All right, you know, here's another production thing I thought of. Do we need do we need the surround sound? Is it really that big a difference? Like, is that all just for like listening to a movie, or is there really a benefit to having more than two sources of 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 uh, the audio? I'm moving into Dolby Atmos now. Um, and I'll be able to answer that question, I think, a lot better in about six months to a year, because I do think it is it is um, the immersive aspect of it in the right circumstances. And since we can do this now with headphones and we can get a good binaural representation of this three three hundred sixty degree space, it it does enhance some music I've heard. Um, I feel like we're 
in a way, we're at the same place we would have been with early stereo, people trying some trick, too much trickery. But the idea that we can kind of create sort of this room behind or room way in front, I like that sonically because it puts everything into a little bit of a sound stage that uh, stereo can't do. You know, stereo's always going to have a bit of aspect of it's coming from speakers. And really good um, surround, Atmos in particular, does have this sense of, of coming at you from everywhere the way a live concert might, you know. But is it good for every kind of music? I don't know. Is it is it really only practical to do in a studio space, or are we going to get to a point where we have surround sound in a car? Is that is your my t- my car is surround sound, and, it, and it's yeah. it's mixed it's, that way, and it, yeah, my, and it's it's set up for immersive. In fact, I get I get software updates for the immersive audio system. Okay, yeah. and now and, it does it does it a little different way. It has it has the traditional speakers like every other car in the door and everywhere else, but it has these what are called upfires, which will give you the the uh, the what we would call the ceiling, you know, the yeah, you know, yeah. the uh, overheads, um, and and it's so and it's a little bit of an illusion. But there's systems that you can buy for your house like that as well for your if you want to do a home theater. The thing why this could catch on, as opposed to all the other forms that have come before it, is that this works extremely well in headphones, and so many, particularly kids, listen to their music in earbuds. Yeah. And they've already done these tests with like playing a regular stereo mix and then an immersive mix. And you watch the kid's face just go like this. Like wow. all of a sudden, well, they're really tuned into virtual reality, into artificial intelligence, into, into uh, you know, uh, the Oculus and all this other yeah, stuff. Yeah. So right away for gaming and things like that, wow, this, this is like a whole nother world because you're, you're doing what you're doing in three dimensions here in here. So there I definitely see it. But I've heard some mixes that I think it does enhance it. Like, some, believe it or not, some symphony mixes, okay. things like that, where all of a sudden the back of the room starts to play into it. And if you close your eyes, you go, wow, the, 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 the orchestra's up there, but sound is kind of emulating everywhere. And it's, and it's also the, the darker sounds from the back are kind of... They're coming from where they should. You know, you feel them here. You hear, feel the height, what happens in a hall. Well, that, that's kind of cool. I, I think yeah. it's got potential. Pop music, I'm not sure yet. You know, I really don't know. Okay. All right. Well, Jazz, how, yeah. how about this? You're, you're so steeped in so many aspects of music mm-hmm. and, and so, and so advanced like in your knowledge bag. of them. <laughs> Scott, teabagging. Yeah, no. um, <laughs> Scott, teabag potato. Um, oh, he's um, on to you. That's going back to the 80s. You thought we forgot about that. Goddamn um, internet. So, but like you, like... <laughs> You 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 know a lot about different parts of music, mm-hmm. and you're you're obviously a deep artist, mm. and you're and you're very accomplished. You. If you had to put all the music aside, what what's an art that you'd want to pursue that you that you feel close to? Um, I keep telling myself I want to be I want to paint paint to be a painter, basically. Cool, because um, I have four walls. I got you. Well, that that's that's. <laughs> That's the best painting I do. But in fact, I, I'll, I remember to this day, I did take a lot of art classes, particularly in high school. I had a really good art teacher who, who kind of led us down this my path. And several of my friends who wound up being in the arts, a couple of visual artists, a couple of musicians. And 
I remember bringing in my final project and uh, presenting it to him, and it was some poppies that I had painted in my backyard the night before it was due, even though you know I had like seven months to do it. Oh, and, and in the dark, because of course it was like four nice. in the morning nice. <laughs> after, nice. after coming home from drinking all night. Yes, yes. And, and, and I, I hadn't even really completely looked at it, and I think it was still wet, right? Yeah. So I, I went and I pulled the cover off, and I just remember this teacher just like, just just guffawing like no one has ever done before. He's on the floor crying. <laughs> and then he decided to give up teaching. <laughs> so he told you to get into stand-up comedy. Exactly. No, yeah, he yeah, said, yeah, you know, yeah. you got there's there's room for you at the, <laughs> the Copacabana. So yeah. but but somehow I always thought, you know, if I really put my mind to it, I think I could actually do it. And then even after you see Leslie's uh, sister's paintings, you still Oh see yeah, well, I've never painted like that yeah. um, you know but, i just remember uh, seeing them when we were there yeah right? yeah she's insane that's, insane, uh, that's yeah. she's a realist painter and it's great crazy stuff yeah um but yeah i think that and then other days maybe um maybe just uh, uh writing actually I, I i actually would like to write some kind of a book at some point and and what, at first i think i thought oh i should write about the stuff i know but then i thought oh you know me i should write about stuff stuff i really have no idea about you know like i don't know write a mystery or something you were doing this though. well you i do that online it. yeah one oh, not I my novel about that my novel yes wasn't did, in did, wasn't in pittsburgh <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what got me on it somebody said you ought to write a book so i said okay i will one line at a time i was th that provided some of that was <laughs> during the pandemic or just before, before it, it yeah before it, yeah I, I i forgot about that yeah but yeah. i had a couple of real like out loud L L <laughs> I'm like, what the hell is going on? No, stream of consciousness, <laughs> man. Stream of consciousness. Yeah, what, no. is, what is Scott Petito? I get up in the morning and like write stream of consciousness, and I had this whole, you know, like, you know, uh, the whole thing. I think I introduced like 30 characters in the first five lines. You, you still know? bring so, it back now and again. And people no, are like, I yeah, just, what happened? I, I, I forgot all about well, yeah, that. I, I, I have this whole conversation with myself about how I don't know, man. I don't think you know. I, I, I'm having. I'm, I've got a character, and I'm talking to my what, one of my friends, and and I'm going. I don't know, man. The audience, they're too demanding. I can't, I can't, because the guy's a novelist in yeah. it. So I'm saying, I, I think I got to quit. So I'm, <laughs> and so they're all upset. And then somehow they all wound up in England and, <laughs> and the guy with a chauffeur and, and Mr. Hashimoto and all these yeah, guys. Yeah, you were going for it. Oh, I, yeah. I forgot all it. You didn't yeah. even have to follow it. You could just check in any day no. with what you were doing and be like, no. <laughs> the, the, yeah, the nice thing was, is it was like a, a, a complete novel in each sentence, yeah. you know? Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, so. Yeah, I, I may, might be the thing to check. I out. might bring it back. I did try another one briefly. It was called Murder After Dinner, but um, that one didn't was short lived. Short -lived. I may I may bring that back. I, I just didn't. I wasn't feeling it like I was with. Uh, You're supposed to wait twenty minutes after eating before murder yeah. anyway, or you can cramp. You yeah, know? you can cramp, and so <laughs> so uh, so part of me says, yeah, I should do that. But you know, that's another thing of like, it it had to be stream of consciousness. If I thought about it. I couldn't write a line. It's like, okay, whatever, whatever this is, like, you know, in the sight, my psyche from watching too much, uh, um, you know, um, uh, James Bond and, and odd couple, uh, shows, oh. you know, you know kind, <laughs> that's kind of like the mishmash, well, that and the Brady bunch, you put all three of those together. That's the entire content of my mind, you know? So yeah, you, you mostly know, Brady bunch, you know, 
that really that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it is. I, I, I'm glad that you a said, little Gilligan's Island in there. Oh wow! Well, yeah, yeah. See, people always, you know, like Leslie. Leslie will ask me a question, and I kind of glazed over, and she says, "What do you what What's going on in there?" I says, "Well, I just ran episode 22 of Gilligan's <laughs> Island." <laughs> yeah. yeah, that'll do it. It's a good show. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good yeah, show. I haven't yeah. thought about that show in a while either. No, no. You got to have that stuff, you know? Yeah. And then when I was a kid, we memorized all the lines to the odd couple. So, you know, you'd be able to say the line right before Oscar or, yeah. or, or Felix, right. and it would be like... All right. So, I mean, know. as long as we're on that, we might as well finish with the, mm-hmm. um, Ginger or Marianne? Uh, Marianne. Really? Yeah. I know. I know. It's hard. Yeah. It, it, it is. Yeah. It was Turkey. always it was always ginger for yeah. me. That's interesting. Yeah. No no offense, Brad. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know who you're talking about. So. Oh, oh well, you, just go with ginger. Okay. Yeah. 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 This sounds like my like for my generation. It's like SpongeBob. Like yeah, every see, every like person my age I talk to, yeah. we just have this like burned in yeah. like knowledge of SpongeBob. Yeah. Yep. No, I, I, most of my one-liners come from 60s TV shows, 60s and 70s TV shows. Yeah. Like, to this day, you know. Now thinking, Unger. Yeah, like, it was always the, uh, <laughs> I thought Three's Company was, had, had the masterful command of the uh, misunderstood innuendo. Uh, every, every episode, yep. they, they always seem to have this. Mr. Furley or Mr. Roper is like, what's going on in there? And then exactly. uh, it turns out they're just washing yeah. the dishes but and talking about it. Nope. Yeah, I feel like I've seen that referenced on Family Guy or something. Yeah. I must <laughs> I'm have, sure you did. I'm, I must have gotten well, it secondhand. You know, I mean, this, this is a good point. I mean, I think we're very influenced, all, all of our three generations, I mean, we're separated by a few years each here. Mm-hmm. But the media around us has been really important in who we are, you know, so uh, I don't want to deny that. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not thinking about all of that all the time. But it, yeah. but but yeah, that's part of the fun of having been alive and stuff. You yeah. Know? And and it's very insightful into the culture we live in. Yeah. And the changes that we've gone through. Especially yeah. now, when you see that people we grew up with, what might have happened with uh, who we thought they were, are not exactly who they are right. as we move forward. Right. Um, and we were just talking about this yesterday, actually. Just uh, mm-hmm. for me, it was the, the Cosby Show. Well, we were just yeah. talking about Kevin Spacey earlier. We <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah. we all got our secrets. <laughs> Fortunately, very few have come out today. <laughs> There's your idea for your book. Yeah, exactly. You know right. Uh, just dishing the dirt would be murder uh, after <laughs> dinner. I'm going to bring that one back. Yeah. Yeah. Dolce de leche. No, Dolce. What was Dilemma? her last name? Dolce no, de leche. No, no, Dolce. I, that was the 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 Isn't woman, the chef. Yeah. <laughs> That's not. You're not Dolce Dilemma. I thought that was your Dolce Dilemma. Oh well, we really ruined this. Well, I, yeah, I don't know. Unless you got any other things, I'm, I, I'm, I don't have anything to say. Um, do you have anything else to say? Like I said, I can go on, but this has been, oh, this, has been a, <laughs> this guy. Like I can, but it's, yeah. it's just been a treat. Like I love talking to you, Scott. You. Well, you know, I can always come back. Yeah, we definitely have to. Have you <laughs> <laughs> is, is it that long? No, it was much, not, much shorter than you thought it was. No, it was I think much about forty minutes. Right? Yeah, it's not yeah. bad. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, just, I mean, I've driven that to your. I always. Yeah, uh, I know. Well, you're lazy, but, but I'm you, not. But you have this turn that I've missed. Oh, I miss it. Are you kidding me? I barreled past it for 30 years. Your, your turn sucks. It's yeah, it really sucks. And I pulled into the other yard yeah. next to you. Oh, you don't like, want to go there. They're like, 
I know you, just judging by what I look like, they're like, you want to go? Yeah, yeah. You're, you're next door. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. I'm glad. Yeah, you're like, yeah, you won't escape from there. <laughs> but oh. yeah, this was a, a delightful, delightful yeah. conversation. Thank you. And I cannot wait to hear the next album. Oh, Same here. Thank Follow you. up to Rainbow will, Gravity. You, um, you guys will be the the twenty thirtieth, maybe fiftieth people. I. Who, <laughs> I send it to. Yeah, what but, about um, it? <laughs> <laughs> after I really thought about it, <laughs> no, I, no, I, I, I think you'll like it. It's kind of in the similar vein, but different. So, well, and then we'll move on to something else. Yeah, we will. Yeah, and we'll do something together soon. I've been, I've been wanting to do it for a while, but then the pandemic really put the squawk. Well, we talked off. about the. You yeah. mentioned the Jack Johnson. Thing. I, I like the idea of trying to put that together. So, we'll, we'll, if we'll, I'm being honest, I don't think I spent a lot of time with that album when mm -hmm. I was younger. And when you mentioned it, mm -hmm. I've probably we'll listened back. to it ten times. Mm -hmm. I, I, that's some of my favorite McLaughlin playing again, I have ever. Yeah, and again, you know, we want to get the flavor of that period. So. So that, that's always a tricky thing. But let's do it. Let's do it. I we'll would love it. to do it. Yeah, that's an. I, I don't think you liked my joke when I thought it was the other Jack Johnson. That no, you would. no. I, <laughs> I I knew the guy. I knew I knew who you were talking about. <laughs> yes, I know. I wasn't happy about it. No. <laughs> you were not. I thought it was funny, but you know, yeah, what yeah. do I know? So you know, I I did on the way here. I I, I do have one closing thing. It's a. I picked up a guy right. I never do this, but he looked like he needed he needed a ride, so I so I, I said okay. So we're we're going down the road. We're going through um, what's uh, Stone Ridge, Stone Ridge, yeah. and he he finally says to me, he says so, so what if I was a serial killer and you picked me up? And I said to him, well, what are the chances of two serial killers being in the same car? <laughs> 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 I'm glad you guys are laughing. <laughs> he, he no longer can. <laughs> all right, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, on that, on that note, um, I think we lost all 14 of our subscribers yeah, yeah, good, at this good. point. So. so I'm sure you have to go clean some urine under your back seat. Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, could be that. Could be worse. We'll let you go then. All right. Um, but also, do you got any dates you want to plug for some upcoming shows? No, uh, I actually finished. Projects? I finished everything. Thing. Uh, I just well, the got December the show, though, you said you're doing. Oh yeah, we'll do. We'll do. The, uh, Leslie and I will do a show at Bearsville on um, uh, on the 19th of December. We will have Byron Isaac and um, his, uh, the his group. The he's in the Lumineers, and we'll mm -hmm. we'll have um, his group, the Lost Leaders, uh, Rebecca Martin and Larry Grenadier. Uh, the two of us, uh, Rachel Z will be there. I think Jeff Lipstein might be playing with us too. So excellent, and that's, that's to raise small. that's raise it. money for. It's called Open. Uh, I believe it's called a wood, Table of Woodstock, okay. and it's, they do a variety of things. It has food pantry, and they're also raising money to get kids Christmas presents and other Beautiful. things around the or just about around the whole area. So. Excellent. Yeah, Leslie and I did these benefits for the food pantries at this time for years and we'd have every person you could think of going all the way back to the days when Levon and Rick would do it with us or mm. Happy and Artie Trom and all the other people who are no longer with us. Um, so we thought, eh, maybe we'll revise, revive it. Tis the season. So, and Lizzie at uh, the theater was into it, so we're doing it. Excellent. Yeah, so there's that. And then other than that, I'm, I have Percy Jones coming in the studio. Do you know Percy? I do Percy not know was Percy. In, Percy's a bass player. Do you know him? You uh -huh. should. You should. He's one of the great bass players of all time. He was in the group Brand X. 
Oh, oh okay. Yeah. yeah. I just was listening to that because uh, John Goodsell died. Just died. Yeah. yeah I just and I yeah. didn't. I didn't. Honestly, I didn't know. Yeah. What I heard of them, but I never checked. Percy was the other great fretless bassist in the Jocko era. He was, uh, you know, sliding harmonics and, and Phil Collins on drums. Phil right? Collins played drums. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Um, yeah. So he's coming in. He's got a new band that. Um, He's he left Brand X last year. Actually, there's a whole political thing going on um, before Good Soul died. Mm. And um, anyway, we're doing that in December. So that's amazing. Awesome. Yeah, well, I got I got to do my homework then. It's yeah, check them out. I learned. I it. I used to love Percy's playing. I still do. But you know, when I was young, he had he was a counterbalance to to what um, you know Jocko was doing in particular. But and Alfonso and people. Like yeah, that. Well, Alfonso's another one of the big fretless guys. I think. Yeah. Of. But yep. um, cool, yeah. I mean, I always want to. I always got to learn something more. It never ends. There's, there's always new people always. that I'm embarrassed. Yeah, they to have not a great. Well, they have several really great records. I, I was always partial to one called More Rock and Roll. Said so, you know, More Rock and Roll. So, uh, but, but, but the first two records are great, and and then they did different ones over the years and had different alumni. A lot of connections to Genesis. He also played with David Sylvian. He's played with um, a bunch of the, you know, British proggy jazz guys over the years so yeah good guy to check out awesome yeah that'll be fun yeah I, i'd never it's a great it's amazing i had never yeah. and i'd never heard uh i just didn't never heard phil play like i never heard yeah. any of that stuff yeah. it's a fascinating oh, no, he's a monster oh. he was a, <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 it was pretty amazing yeah yeah Shall right. we leave it there? Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, Polar, sponsor us. <laughs> yes. Every day, if you listen I, again. Every... I recently traveled through Polar Park, and it's a wonderful place. I, I really enjoyed it. I didn't get to stop, but it looked nice from the highway. And I'll look any uh, Happy Hanukkah mug, so if any yeah, Jewish with little, cats. With little cats on would it. Like to, Jewish would cats. Want to sponsor us. But yeah. <laughs> the ASPCA. Um, whatever. We'll figure it out. Black we'll, Cherry. It's good. You know, I mean, who, who knew? That's how yeah. we roll here. Yeah. yeah. The Mink and the Monk. Yeah. Mink and the Monk. I, that's it. I was calling it all kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. None of them correct. No. Yeah. Not, not one. Well. I'll get it right bef eventually. Before we go out of business. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah your computer shut off anyway, so. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, thank you, Scott Petito, for joining us. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Brad Monkel, for whatever it is you do. Thanks for thanking me, Matt. You're welcome. <laughs> and uh, we'll see you for the next one. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Scott. <laughs>